What's up? Jason Tatum here. Ball up wherever you are with NBA 2K Mobile. Playing game events to collect NBA legends and rising stars to assemble your dream team and settle things on the court. Download NBA 2K Mobile now on the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with Andrew Velez, Joel Dells, and this is now episode 169. In this episode, we are going to talk about the Eagles Saints trade, DK Metcalf rumors, Patriots trading for Devontae Parker, Rams offseason, best remaining free agents, and more. A quick Patreon shout out to Pimp Chimpin, Jake the Snake, Corrupt, G Boog, Kobe, Dylan, Afosa, Mason, Rico the One, Gentile Drew, Cade MVP, Mark, SP Vorzy Shot, Jordan What, Evan, Dylan, Joel is the GOAT, Mayo, Andre, Matthew, Peter, Daniel, Ben, William, Ruthless Rootster, Sensei Stevie, Joel B, SA Crimes, Kevin S, Eagle Dollar, Tizzy, Corey, Get Funkoed, Dylan, Playboy Orlando, Big Chuck, Michael, Greg, Cole, Liam, T. Grove, Tua Sucks on Car, Ryan, Epic Lankiness, Aaron, Is Black Ace, Anthony, BJ, PJs, Langston, Jazzy Juice, Johannes, Ruben, Dave McLaurin, Muffins, John Pincevelli, Sean Triplett, Burner Hoops, Court Cousins, P. Dot, George, Hakari, Mateen, and Jay Aqua. Good old Jay Aqua, man. Let's we also cannot forget about the YouTube members, Danko and Monster Matthew Jimenez. And next show, they will be called out first. Yes. I keep forgetting. It's all right, man. You know, Monster beat me in Madden. He told me. And I'm upset about it. Did he smoke you? You don't know how badly I was raging the entire game. What team was he? Mm, the Titans. Titans. Titans, yeah. And you were the Bills, right? I was the Bills. That's a rough loss. It's because the first play of the game, I had Stephon Diggs on a streak, and he had separation. I threw with Allen, and for some reason, he underthrew it. I'm telling you, the entire game, I was raging. Every single, I'm like, oh my god, I I left the game. <laughs> I left the game in such a bad and shitty mood. I was I you got didn't smoked? want to play Madden. No, I didn't get smoked. I lost by three points. Oh, okay. I, I lost by three points, and I played my absolute worst game, and Madden was cheesing me the entire game. How many interceptions game. did you throw? Um, I think one or two. Madden will do that to you. Losing yeah. to Monster, man. He's going to hold that but over But one you. of the interceptions was just like a Josh. This was it. I was scrambling outside the pocket. I had a receiver wide open. I threw it, and it was inaccurate, and then the safety pick picked it off. In franchise, your quarterbacks, it's all on momentum. They will throw an interception, and the throw will be horrible. Nothing you can do about it. What I hate about this uh, this trait, the like escape artist, is that it takes away the quarterback stamina so so much. Like whenever Does I would it? escape, yeah, whenever I would escape with Josh Allen, after like the sixth play of me trying to scramble, <laughs> you well, do it six uh, times. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I know, but like this, I don't do it consecutively. But f- let's say nobody's open. I'm like, okay, I need to get out. It's like the fourth quarter. Once I get outside the pocket, because you can't control when you can use escape artists or not. It just happens. Once I'm outside the pocket, like outside the numbers and trying to start my break to go to the first down, the defensive lineman catches up to Allen, and I have no stamina left. And Josh Allen also fumbled in that game by getting hit by Caleb Farley. I mean, we've spoken was, about it how many times. Quarterbacks can't hold on to the ball in Madden for anything. whatever reason. Doesn't I, matter who it is. That, that game got me irritated. 
And now you're gonna have to hold an L from Monster. Yeah. I'm four and two now. I face Surge. I'm in. A, I'm on a bye week now. I face Surge off that bye week. You definitely mm-hmm. need to win. That I am one. going kryptonite? to take out all of my rage on Is Surge. Is Surge your Kryptonite or? No, I beat. I smoked him. Okay. First game. Do you yeah. smoke him consistently yeah. or? As recently when I yeah I do. I'm gonna smoke him off this bye. Who's week. the best player in the league? Probably me. Okay. It is me. I'm excited to join. Yeah, I can't wait to smoke you too. That's not happening. You're gonna bro. you're gonna join as the Eagles. I saw the 49ers are available now, too. Oh, uh, okay. I might so take the he's pretty good at Madden. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good at Madden. Are you? Just yeah. lost to Monster. Is Monster good at Madden? I, I smoked Monster before. I know what I'm capable of. It's just Monster caught me in just a Didn't weird Didn't you lose day. in the first round of the franchise, last franchise? Um, No, Divisional. I won a playoff game, then I lost in Divisional. Okay, all right. That's respectable. Yeah, but with the Jets. Yeah, facts. With Zach Wilson. I got him up to like an 81 overall Damn. in the first year. And then they simmed it 10 years? Yeah. That's bullshit. It's always something. You know, you should uh I wanna actually face Joel and Madden. Like not even on some franchise thing, but like just like well, face you. We could do that. Just to see like how good you are. I'm like I that. measure the skills. You guys sure. might never see me play Madden if all you guys are gonna do is play on PS four. It's unfortunate. We should just get a PS four. <laughs> no. Yeah, get a PS four, bro. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. I'm PS four is that. better than Xbox, I think. PlayStation in general. I just don't like PlayStation controller. PS five is better. Xbox three sixty greater than the PS three. PS4 was better than the Xbox One, and now these new ones. The PS5 is cooler. The concept is cooler. It's basically the same thing for the Series X. I'm going to be real with you, but the graphics are a little bit cleaner. I feel like we're moving away from consoles as a whole. You think yeah. so? Yeah. Oh, because P- everyone's going PC? Mm-hmm. I think we're moving away from that as a whole. It's going to be more of a luxury than... A console, you're, at- you're saying? It's going to be more streaming, too, yeah. I think, all of these games. It's going to be, like, having a console is going to be more of a luxury. Like, oh, you have it more so than that's what I use to game. Do you, I don't know if PlayStation has this, but Xbox in the last couple of months has cloud gaming now. So yeah. you could play a game without downloading it straight from the Xbox store. Yeah, because crazy. Xbox, Windows, yeah. PC, like, basically Xbox has already transitioned to be more PC-oriented. But if, if you have that on Xbox already, you don't really have a need to go to PC if you could just stream games That's directly from your console. Facts. Yeah. That is cool. a weird idea. Yeah. It's it's kind of like glitchy and laggy sometimes if you don't have great internet. But overall, I mean, for it just launching, it's pretty good. PlayStation has the, um, I guess, the tool that you can, if you're playing a game and this guy wants to play, you can just toss it over to his, his console and he can play. Really? Apparently. That's nuts. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? Yeah. So like if we're playing Madden, no, let's say let's say we're playing like uh, Red Dead Redemption, and like you can't beat this level, your boy, do, you, your boy can do that for you. you. Just hop right in. Apparently, that's what no, I'm you told. You can do that. You yeah. can do that on PS5. Yeah, you have to have a pretty stable connection though, in order for it to work. Makes sense. That idea is crazy. Yes. What's the word I'm looking for? It's not tool. Feature? Accessibility feature. Thank you. There you go. Before we go on to the first topic, I want to know your thoughts on the Lakers now being eliminated from. I'm glad we're getting this out the way on the football episode because I know Rev's going to bring it up this weekend. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'm not the happiest, truthfully. LeBron not, not happiest. LeBron missing the last two games also, and, and it's it's better better times have been ahead of me when in, in terms of the Lakers. We're looking forward to next season. I mean, what else am I to say? What is next we're, season though? You running back? Are you going to be the on the squad? Lakers next season? Um, I don't know. That is very TBD. If Le- I think LeBron's staying. He has a year left in his contract. I think LeBron also he should staying. He should be staying in terms of his contract. However, you never who know knows? that guy. Who knows? But he wants to play with Steph now. What a disgrace. I'm pretty sad of how the season turned out. Clearly, it's not how I imagined it would be. 
lot of injuries played a factor into this season. You have Anthony Davis as your second starter. No, for sure. And LeBron James only playing, I think he played under 55 games this season. If only we were healthy, who would have known? Maybe we could have reached 65 games. Who knows? But, hey, can't change the past. Would have been as good as the Suns? Dude, they actually were going to be, weren't, they're going to win 65 games. That's what I'm saying. You would have been as good as the Suns. <laughs> chose, the wrong, chose the wrong team, man. Yeah, for sure. Had the right idea, wrong team. The Lakers' big three has played more than the Clippers' duo, big two. I believe this that. This year. I mean, Kawhi hasn't played all season. Yeah, and they're in the plan. They're doing good for them. Themselves. They have a great cast. I was telling you, I, I've been telling you guys for the longest, at least on the basketball episodes, that the Lakers are a dysfunctional franchise. They've been terrible over these last the Clippers the are, chip. The, no, the Clippers terrible. are a better organization than the Lakers in recent history. Good for them. Yeah. Where's their championship? Well. Yeah, I was going to say. They've been more competitive. One Western Conference say. Finals appearance. One. They've been more consistently competitive. That's but and they made that Western Conference Finals without their best player. Yeah, so that's Lakers, credit to them. Lakers but. got so lucky with the bubble championship. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, did get lucky. Come on, huh? Did get lucky. How? Got four months off for LeBron and AD. Every single team got four months off, so I don't want to hear it. I know, but the two best players who were aging and injury prone got Kawhi four Leonard months off. Blew a three-one lead, and that's the king of sitting out games. I don't want to hear it. I, I don't want to hear it. That still. doesn't happen if there's home and road games, though. No, whatever. It doesn't but, I mean, matter. They win the bubble, and then every other year they they're. I mean, Terrible, made the playoffs. And Anthony Davis, unfortunately, just yeah. gets hurt. Nick and, and Bruce. And this up. year, Anthony Davis gets hurt. I think that shows more. Like if you, if they were great in the bubble, and every year after that has been a disappointment, I think you can look at the bubble like that was a fluke year. Not necessarily. Listen, you take the chip, but it probably was a fluke year. Not necessarily. Last season we were hurt. I mean, what are you going to do? We were healthy at that because point. because you have two guys that are aging and injury prone. So how about, taking four months off is going to? How help. about how about twenty twenty? Right. In the regular season when COVID didn't exist. And we were the best team in the Western Conference. Right? Phenomenal. No one talks about that. Yeah. They don't talk about that. They only talk about the bubble. Because then you had three, four months off. But they don't talk about how before, you know, COVID shut down the NBA, that back-to-back games, LeBron against the Bucks, LeBron against Because everyone got hurt. The Clippers. Or these next two seasons, everyone got hurt. stamp on the MVP. They don't talk about that. Next two seasons, your two guys got hurt. It's unfortunate. That's why. But even when they were both healthy, when they were both healthy and LeBron was coming back off two games, AD was balling. We had a 2-1 lead. It was all predicated on Anthony Davis's health, unfortunately, know, which is not something I want to rely on. I mean, we're talking about when he's healthy. Uh, when he's healthy, a, a he's amazing. Player but in the NBA, he's been healthy the bubble year, and what else? Not much. Exactly. I'm not saying you're wrong, man. The Lakers suck. <laughs> I wasn't go that far. That's okay. You had, you, listen, I would take the chip. Listen, we have sure. one championship, and the Knicks haven't won since '73, right? I mean, I feel like I'd rather be in my position. For sure. You don't have a set team. Say that's also true. It's okay, LeBron. Whatever you want to say, right? And in, in the well, in nineteen it's years, to, it's easy to piggyback the best player to ever play the game. I'm glad you feel that way. I got lucky, right? Not everyone chose the best player ever. Oh, that's why I'm Greg choosing. Gordon. That's why I'm choosing Scotty Barnes now. Good for you. You chose James Harden, and hey, you thought that was going to go one way. Unfortunately, derailed and went the other way. It just happens. I'm choosing Luka next. Some people choose right. Some people <laughs> choose wrong. Next. Oh my god! I chose right, right, and and, and that's supposed to be on me, right? You get criticized. For you get criticized for being smart. God forbid. What can you do? Let's go on to football. Not a lot of things happened in football this week, but some notable things did indeed happen. For sure. Uh, the Eagles and the Saints made a trade on draft day that's going to happen on draft day. Well, it already happened, but it's exchanging draft day picks. The Eagles are now getting the number 18th overall pick, the 101 pick in the draft, pick 237 and a 2023 first and 2024 second. The Saints are getting the 16th overall pick, the 19th overall pick, and pick 194. There's been a lot of talk on social media about how the Eagles fleeced the Saints. 
And now the big question is, what are the Saints planning to do with these draft picks? Is it to move up in the draft and draft the quarterback since they don't have a quote-unquote franchise guy, even though I think Jameis is more than capable of doing that? Or are they going to try to bolster up this roster a bit? Now, I'm going to start with you, Joe. Where do you think the Saints are leaning in terms of directions and where they want to go with these draft picks? I'd be surprised if they use 16 and 18 to trade up. Um, I think if they really wanted to, they probably didn't have to make this deal right now. They could have waited until draft day to see one of these guys could fall past 10. You know, if they like Malik Willis, Pickett, whoever it might be. If they were trading for a quarterback, I think they would have waited. But this makes sense for both teams. I think for the Saints, who desperately need tackle now because Armstead is gone and have needed wide receiver for years now, this class, arguably the two most deepest positions, are tackle and wide receiver up there with edge too. So at 16 and 18, they have a chance to fill both of those needs with players that are going to come in day one and be able to contribute, whether that's going to be, I don't, Neil and Icky aren't going to be there, but that next tier, maybe Charles Cross or, or Penning, possibly someone that could come in and play left tackle right away. And then we've talked about the receivers at length, whoever they decide to go with, they're going to be able to come in and automatically be their number two wide receiver, the second best receiver on the team. Assuming Michael Thomas could come in and be the old Michael Thomas. Now you have a one-two punch that is going to be up there with one of the betters in the league, assuming Michael Thomas could come back and be his old self. And then for the Eagles, I think it makes sense, too. You still have two first-rounders, a second, and two-thirds this season. So they still have draft capital to move around the board if they want to move up (laughs) or down um, because they don't have at least as many pressing needs in the Saints in terms of they're desperate for a tackle, desperate for receiver. And though I do think they need to upgrade receiver position opposite of Devontae Smith. Still have – now they have three firsts – excuse me, two firsts in 2023, an extra second in 2024 – and it's kind of a win-win for them because if Jalen Hurts goes out and balls this season, they have their franchise guy, and now they have two firsts in 2023. If he struggles this season, even with these two first-round picks, now they have even more draft ammo, including extra second in 2024, to move up or down the board next season where we're expecting to have a better quarterback class. So I think it makes sense for both teams. For the Saints, I'm looking at it and thinking they see this draft class being really strong at wide receiver and tackle, and that's why they made the move. Interestingly enough, I would not be shocked if they went quarterback. A lot of chatter has been going around that quarterbacks are going to be flying in the first round. Whether I agree with that or not, that just seems to be a rumor. I would not be surprised if they went quarterback. I know they just extended Jameis, but maybe they don't see Jameis as their franchise guy. He's just coming off a torn ACL. These quarterbacks, there's talk that Desmond Ritter might be really a high-touted prospect going into draft night. I definitely expect him to go wide receiver. And moving ahead of the Eagles, where I feel like the Eagles are going to be aiming for wide receiver also... Do the Eagles have 15? I'm blanking off the top of my head. Or is they that the two, chart? They have two firsts, so. I thought they still have two firsts. Yeah. They, but I'm asking, do they have 15 off the top of they my head? They have 15 and 15, 18. okay. So even still, the Eagles could end up snatching their wide receiver that the Saints are looking at. However, I still believe that they need a wide receiver. For the longest, even for as long as they've had Michael Thomas, they've lacked that number two wide receiver. And by the way that it's looking, it's looking like Michael Thomas is going to play this season and... That should leave Saints fans optimistic. However, I still look at this trade, and I know we're talking about what the Saints are going to do, but there's a strong possibility that the Saints are bad next season and the Eagles absolutely come up. Now, the Eagles have been one of the more low-key dominant front offices in the football league. Next season, if the, if the, if the Saints are not good, which is a strong possibility given the fact that they won games last season, but they were mediocre for a majority of the part. And, and now that Sean Payne's there, they don't have a competent... Or let, let me not say that. They don't have a proven... Thank you very much. They don't have a proven head coach. 
there's a strong possibility that they're a bottom five team in the NFL. And now the Eagles are in position to have a top five pick. I don't think that that'll happen, but that is a strong possibility. For this draft, though, and, and going back to that topic, I do think that there's a strong chance that they go quarterback. You want to plan for the future, and and I'm not sure that I can trust on James to be my plan for the future and wide receiver. It, it, it is the most glaring hole for me. Defensively, I feel like they're they're fine. You mentioned left tackle. This is a pretty strong strong tackle class, but right now, the most important things in the NFL, yes, offensive line, but securing your franchise quarterback and adding weapons. You have been on the right side of history in the sense of you need weapons in in today's NFL, and I could not agree more. You can't just have MT. You need more, especially with a guy like Jameis, who's shown last season that he can be solid with with a group of mediocre guys, but let's not put him in that situation. Get him these wide receivers to to give him some confidence going into the season. I think the Saints are closer to being a playoff team than a bottom five team. Uh, I think this trade puts him in great position to fill out needs you mentioned left tackle I think Evan Neal Icky definitely not making it that far in the teens Charles Cross I think he's a top 10 pick I don't think he's going to make it to the teens I think they will draft most likely Trevor Penning who seeing some tape of him I'm, I'm not the hugest fan of but that's a guy who does have potential he has a lot of size and at receiver there's a lot of options a lot Chris Olave Garrett Wilson won't be there. We probably are sure of that unless something crazy. Apparently, there's talks that he might be dropping on boards as well, which is nuts. But let's just say for the sake of the year, it is. Let's just say for the sake of this segment, the Saints draft Trevor Penning and Chris Olave. You have a Saints roster who they just signed Andy Dalton as a backup. So Jameis Winston, if if he's missing two, three games, you have Andy Dalton there who can hold down the fort for a little bit. It's Jameis, Kamara, Thomas, Olave. Traquan Smith or Marquez Calloway, I think in the second round they can go for a tight end, maybe a Trey McBride. I like Ulrich a lot from UCLA. He's a very explosive tight end. Okay. Uh, Jeremy Ruckert from Ohio State. You can get a tight end in the second or in the later rounds if you're the Saints. And then your offensive line after losing Teron Armstead, you got Trevor Penning, Andres Pete, Cesar Ruiz, um, Eric McCoy, and Ryan Ramchick. So your offensive line won't be horrible if Trevor Penning at least is like solid year one, you have a good offensive line. You have good weapons. I think Jameis, you guys know I'm high on Jameis. 14 touchdowns, three picks last season. He can have a breakout season this upcoming year, I believe. So I'm a big believer. Michael Thomas is going to come in and Jameis, he's going to make him, make him look really good. And then defense. The defense is still elite. I mean, Marcus May, you signed him to replace Marcus Williams. If Marcus May stays healthy... The drop-off between Williams and May is not far off. Uh, coming off a of torn Achilles, though. You're right. Marcus Williams is still you, one of the better safeties in the league. You're right. At corner, Marshawn Lattimore, Paulson Adebo. Um, I think they they also have a Roby is still yeah. there. So you have a good secondary. You have good linebackers. You have a good defensive line. This team is really good. It's just they they have that hole at receiver. And the quarterback, people still have question marks over because Jameis isn't the most glamorous name. But just back to the point about bottom five, Falcons, Panthers are two teams I think will be worse. Yeah. Just I think they'll the, be second in that division. You look at the AFC South. I think the Texans are worse. I think the Lions are worse. I think the Bears are worse. Lions, we could, could shock people. I mean, they could. They have a chance. They could shock people. The Saints won nine games last year. I think no, C, for sure. the Seahawks. Sean Payton had a lot to do with that. I think the Seahawks are worse. And you, you say Sean Payne, and that, that's for sure. 
But let's not forget Dennis Allen was the defensive coordinator for no a doubt. team that shut no out doubt. Tom Brady for one of the better defenses. That defense is still intact. The defense is still going to be a top five, top ten de- defense in the league. I don't know who the OC is. I'm is blanking on the top of my head. Are you guys going to trust me to look something up? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do trust the weapons and at least the core All that right, they Pete have. Pete Carmichael. Pete Carmichael. I'm Confirmed. not. I'm not uh, familiar with his history. <laughs> he might have been Sean Payne's assistant for years. I'm. I'm if I'm Saints not to wrong. retain. Pete okay. Carmichael as offensive coordinator. So I think that's a good move for them. Familiarity with the, within the system. Both so, the, both their guys. Yeah. So I like that a lot for the Saints. I know Sean Payne is a, a big name and he's a great head coach, no doubt about it. But the staff is still there for the most part, which and I think they can be successful. Now onto the Eagles. I think this trade is not the biggest vote of confidence of Jalen Hurts. I think they are al- they are already looking at 2023 and saying. If Jalen Hurts doesn't have the year we expect him to have and doesn't drastically improve his throwing, then we can be looking at a Bryce Young, a C.J. Stroud. We can be looking at one of these top quarterbacks in a draft, and we have the capital to not only move up, but maybe (coughs) your prediction of the Saints being a bottom five team comes true, and now they have that top pick. Now you're in a position to draft a top quarterback and replace Jalen Hurts but I also think they weren't going to use all three first-round picks. I don't think the Eagles have three major holes on their roster to begin with that they need to spend a first-round pick. We've talked about it before that there's more depth in this draft. I have the Eagles with picks 15 and 18. I think 15 is an edge rusher or corner. So George Karloftis, David Ojabo, who might slip in the draft because of his injury, Jermaine Johnson, Trent McDuffie, Derek Stingley, I think Dax Hill would be an excellent fit. Maybe they draft the receiver with that pick as well. It's very possible they can. I think they need Olave, a Lendon, a Watson. There's a lot of receivers out there to get. So I think this improves the Eagles not only for this upcoming season, but it's a also it's also a look towards the future and what they can do next year and next year's draft as well. I don't strongly disagree with the the opinion of you get to see what Hurts has this season. If he shows out, you have these picks, and now you can either continue to do what you've been doing, hold these draft picks, and, and see if there's any suitors, and you continue to have future draft capital, which is a reason why I'm on the side of them being one of the better front offices in the NFL, where they overachieved this past season, made the playoffs, had three first-round picks going into this offseason, and now are already in, in business with the Saints and have future draft capital for 2023. That's credit to what they're doing. But now you get to see what Jalen Hurts has. If he's that guy, you have these picks, and now you can actually put them towards building a a great team, a solid core around him. Or, like Joel said, there's a strong chance where they could use this capital and move up in the draft. Because Bryce Young is one of those those talents right now that everyone's going to want. Yeah, Bryce Young, you need probably the first overall pick to get him. I agree. As as we're standing now. So, depending on where that Saints and Eagles pick lands, I also agree that I think the Saints are going to be better than I don't I have them closer to playoff team than a top five team I just think bottom the five NFC team. bottom, bottom five. five I think the Saints also made this move just because of how weak the NFC is they see this as an opportunity to they're probably not going to win the division with Brady there but they probably see it as we're going to have as good of a chance as just about anyone else who's going to come in second place in their division to go into the playoffs and if we have a great defense if James is able to take care of the ball with these two first round picks they're probably viewing this season as we can make a playoff push, which is why they're willing to give up that 2023 first-round pick. Because they're saying that's going to be late teens, maybe the 20s. If we can make a push, I'd rather do that now, get everyone on board with Dennis Allen. Maybe Jameis could stay around for another season. Because even if they do great, 
they're still going to need a quarterback. But if they do do great, they're not going to be able to get one at 23, or at least not one of these high prospects that we're expecting to come out in next year's class. Um, but I like it on, on both sides. But you, you, I'm a little curious why you think it's um, against Jalen Hurts, right? Because I understand why, like the logic behind it. Like you pick, you're getting draft picks in the 2023 class, which is projected to be a better quarterback class than this season. But if you want one of those guys, you're going to have to get in the top five probably. If you want Stroud or Bryce Young, you might have to get in the top three. And that's going to take a ton of picks, especially if we're expecting both the Eagles and Saints to be borderline playoff teams. I don't think the Eagles made this move with the intention of Jalen Hurts. We're not the most confident in him. And this is why we're going to set ourselves up for next year. That's not what I was referring to. What I'm referring a, to plus. is that the Eagles now have capital. We've seen this past offseason how many superstar quarterbacks asked for out. The Eagles are positioning themselves not only to land a top quarterback prospect, but have all the assets possible to trade for a superstar quarterback if they become available. Good point. I don't think the Eagles are the most confident in Hurts. I don't think they're they you think I don't think they think he is the franchise quarterback. They're not looking at him like the Chargers looking at Herbert. Of course, you know? of course. But they gave him a boat of confidence this offseason. They did, for sure. But I agree. I think I mean listen, I I'm, I love Jalen Hurts, but if you have a chance, Russell's not getting traded. But like this past season where Russell Wilson becomes available, yeah, you move off Hurts and get Russell Wilson and something like that could happen. And um the playoff game was bad. Oh, it's terrible. I mean, the playoff the game was that bad. was the worst matchup it was, possible. It for was them. against the Bucks, but it also the throw he missed a lot. Of it was the worst. It was the worst case scenario because it exploited his weakness, which yeah. right now we know is his arm. They needed. They he took away to the run, run exactly yeah. because they're one of the best rush defenses we've ever seen in our lives. I'm giving them that credit. And now you're forcing him to try and win you the game with his you're, arm. You're not going to win with Jalen Hurts throwing 45 times. And that's a, that, that is a worry, especially in, in this season. football league. Yeah. I'm just saying. That's what, like, let me get another year of progression. Let's get him another weapon and, you know, see what he could do. Like, he should be, and, I need to be competitive. Is there a the world Bucks. where he can reach any type of stratosphere as Lamar Jackson? No. No way. Uh, not Lamar. We're talking, that's, well, we're I'm, talking about a top seven quarterback. Sure, I'm just he saying maybe in that round. I'm saying. Would you be happy with that? Tyrod's a good quarterback. He is a good I quarterback. That, that's always my comparison for Jalen. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, and Tyrod's someone who got paid to be a franchise quarterback before. You yeah. know, so um, I don't hate that. Comp. He made the I've, playoffs I've on, multiple times. Yeah, I've been on record well, saying that. I like that. With the, or two times, one time with the Bills. Yeah, yeah. I think people look at the Eagles last year and they feel like it was like a fluke year. I mean, they're going to have an easy schedule again. They have a top five easiest. They have play the NFC East. Yeah, the Eagles have one of the top five easiest schedules in the NFL. You look at what they, their front four is still elite. You have Fletcher Cox, Derek Barnett is back, Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham. They signed Hassan Reddick. Offensive line, one of the best in the league. Devontae Smith, who projects to be a number one. The running game is still going to be there. Darius Slay, Anthony Harrison is secondary. And they signed Kaiser White from the Chargers, who's a good linebacker. I said with picks 15 and 18, they could go edge rusher, but they could very well go with a Nicobe Dean for, or Devin Lloyd, and they can upgrade, they can bolster the linebacker <laughs> unit. And I think I, right now I'm leaning towards the Eagles going more defense heavy. I think Linden pairing that with Devonta would be absolutely electric. You have that one that is actually a tactician with his routes, and then you have that go up and get a type receiver. Oh, That's, London? Yeah, exactly. I feel like that would be perfect. For, for not only fields but the offense to really Hertz. be, uh, thank you, uh, with Hurts that it could really be a dynamic offense. So this could this could be 
This could be the potential Eagles defense after draft day. Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick, Kaiser White, Nicobe Dean, Darius Slay, Derek Stingley if he drops, or Trent McDuffie, Avante Maddox, Anthony Harris, and Marcus Epps at uh, strong safety. I think that's a really good defense. And you couple that in with the elite offensive line they have already, an elite running game. I don't think last year was a fluke year. I think the Eagles are get got drastically better this offseason. They were slept on last season. And they would be my favorites, at least right now, to win the NFC East. I respect that opinion. I still but, ride with Dallas. Especially but, with Dallas losses. No, I understand, but I still trust Dallas. But I'll say this. Let's pray for Miles Sanders' health this season. I want to see what he can do with actually a full season of being healthy. They're going to bring. They're going to need to bring. They have else. to. They have to. They need depth. And they uh, they drafted. Um, what was the running back last year? Pass catcher, but he could run too. Uh, Gainwell, Kenny Gainwell. He was, was solid. solid. He they was gave really, him a yeah. lot of work. Jordan Howard came in at times, looked good. But they, they don't need Miles Sanders to be that. No, they don't need it. But I would like to see it yeah. because he does have big play abilities. There, it's just a matter of opportunity and I feel like being the healthy. Eagles. I I don't know which way I'm leading towards more. Drafting corner and linebacker or, or getting a George Karloftis here? I think they need to go receiver. Why? Like, I definitely think they need receiver, without a doubt. I, I think the thing with it is the receivers in this class are definitely great, but I think you can get a great receiver in the second round in this draft. This was but also be three get, years in a row taking correct. a wide receiver round one. Jalen Rager. Ah, uh, yes, yes, you're 100% right. I don't hate it. I don't care. I don't care. Up. They just missed on Rieger. What are you going to do? But Devontae Smith looks like he's going to be a hit. I also if, don't think they're they're desperate to draft the receiver. They just signed Zach Pasco. Uh, no, I'm I'm they, being. I know no, you're laughing, enough. but I'm being serious no, about no, it. No, I'm being serious. Many, how many yards last year? Five hundred. He had under four hundred. Four hundred. Come on. Chris Watkins is going to get more burn. Than I'm going to be Scott. completely frank, dude. It might be like three seventy eight. Let me know if I'm but right. But Dallas Goddard, it, it's three eighty four. Ah, close, close. Uh, under Price is right. I'd I'd win. Um. A, dr- a drank London with a Devonta Smith just l- allows Devonta Smith to just do so much more on the field. But in 2020, he had 629 yards. Who? Oh, uh, Pascal. That was with Nick Sirianni and calling plays. Bro's nasty. Solid wide receiver four. No, I'm just bro, that's a good wide receiver three. Yeah. And then you get Drake London, but who's I don't a think, solid wide I don't receiver think, uh, one. I'm assuming he signed a one-year deal. Yeah, I think so. I don't think a one-year deal saying, with Zach Pascal is going to take away I don't receiver think off the, the board. I don't think the... Eagles are desperate. They're like, no, we have to draft the receiver. They're also I mean, look at last heavy. season. Was there a, a true wide receiver option outside of Devonta? You had two great receiving options in Devonta and Goddard. Yeah, Goddard's one of the better tight ends for sure. I agree with that. So Pascal just adds depth. And Nick Sirianni. I want, I want the receivers on the edge. Yeah, I know. On the outside, excuse me. Like, is that so wrong? Especially with Hurts, who needs those weapons. You want to put him in legitimately the best situation possible, especially if you're trying to evaluate what you have at quarterback. And London does that. But there's just holes on defense that you need to address. Not terrible holes, though. I agree linebacker would be huge for them. Well, linebacker, it's Kaiser White, and then it's TJ Edwards, Sean Bradley, Davion Taylor. They have no depth. The defensive line is good as it is, but even though I would like them to maybe draft the edge, I don't think they draft the edge. You think Kyle Hamilton could draft to 15? Um, That's a chance. I wouldn't. Rule it out. Yeah, that would be huge, huge for the Eagles if that happens. I agree because he could play a box safety That's type role. He's not going to be playing free safety over the top. But also, you look at this like Darius Slay. He's older. He, he had probably, a great season. Great. No, you're right. He and was Maddox, great last Maddox season. But season, you don't think the Eagles are looking at this like, okay, we need a corner that 
can we know is going to be here for four to five seasons after and they Slay have 15, or with 18, Slay. correct? 15, 18? Yeah. They could still get a, a receiver at 18. And let's say Olave is looking to project high. Yeah. Let uh, Jameson's also projecting to go high. I would rather take the receiver at 15 or 18 and wait on linebacker in you round two because I think linebacker is going to fall more than a receiver. Traylon could still be there at 18. He'll probably be there at 18. Linden, there's Linden. a... Say it more time. London. London, excuse me. There's a there's a chance he's there at 18. I'm assuming he's not going to be by there. Garrett Wilson, I don't see him being there at 18. So you're looking at maybe Olave. You're looking at maybe Traylon Burks. Jameis. Jameson. I think James, they're talking like Jameson's still going to be the, the first wide receiver off the board, which I am happy with. I'm more than happy with. He is the best receiver in, in this draft, in my opinion. However... There is a strong possibility the Eagles could hit a home run this draft easily. They have two. They're in a great position where they could get exactly what they need, and they don't have to do anything else. Sure. We briefly hit on wide receivers with the Eagles, and the Patriots traded for a star wide receiver in Devontae Parker. <laughs> get out of here. The Patriots got Devontae Parker fifth round pick, and the Dolphins got a 2023 third round pick. Now. I know what you two are going to say, so I want to go first. I know you two aren't the highest I on thought, Devontae Parker. I thought you were a Devontae Parker fan. I was you, oh, in yeah, 2019. Facts. Yeah, and you, you hate him now. I know with you, Joel, you just don't like Devontae Parker. I, I'm not sure what the— I think he's a guy. I'm not sure what the core <laughs> of that is. I think he's, because he's, of me. He's with, a guy. With, with, with I used Drew, to chat about Devontae Parker. For like one Drew, great season in fantasy. With Drew, I know why he doesn't like Devontae Parker. It's because it creates no separation. He didn't have the most success with Tua, and he likes to blame Devontae Parker for Tua's shortcomings. That's why I know you don't like Devontae. No, I blame him because he doesn't separate from his defender. That's why I blame him. He cried in that uh, Titans game, too, complaining on the field. He needs to catch the ball. That's what he needs to worry about. He hasn't had 1,000 yards since 2019. You're right. 515 yards this past season in 2021 in 10 games, which isn't bad. You know, that's like on pace to have about 800 yards. That's not horrible. In 2019, he had a 105.8 passer rating when targeted, and that was when Ryan Fitzpatrick was the quarterback starting there. Let's get this out of the way. Mac Jones is not Tua. He's better than Tua. He's also not Fitzpatrick. Mac Mac Jones. How is he better than him? Can get the ball to Devontae Parker in places Tua Simply couldn't. That's wrong. But it's as simple as that. That is one of the worst things ever. Can just I finish? But real, real quick, one horrible. sentence. <laughs> Mac Jones isn't going to throw the type of balls that Fitzpatrick did in his great season with Devontae Parker. Mac Jones, lesser rip. Not like Tua Fitzpatrick, does it. Like, Fitzpatrick is like the he's gunslinger. Not, that's because he's not a, a dummy. But, but that, that's uh, Mac why Jones is such a great year. Yeah, Mac Jones is he can yeah, let it a rip, lot though. of. Oh, there's Devonta. Yeah, I'll throw it up. Yeah, Fitzpatrick is a gunslinger. That's all he is. But. Mac Jones is smart, but he knows when to take chances. It's simple as that. Oh, but I say that about Tua, and I'm outlandish. Get out of here. Yeah, because his rookie season, 22 touchdowns, 13 picks, better than any season Tua has had, and that was with no receiving weapons. Last season, if Tua plays plays the full year, his stats are better than Mac Jones. I don't want to hear it. Thank you. Regardless of what anybody wants to say about this move, I saw your tweet. Oh, I trade this one. You could have got Amari Cooper, whatever. You could throw shots at the Patriots. I think they were trying to get Amari, personally. The Patriots got better with this move. Mac Jones, Damian Harris, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, who was coming off his career year, 800 yards, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith. With another year under this offense, maybe we see Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith play better than what we thought they would play than last season. I think last season, more so for Jonu Smith, was disappointing. Maybe well, he didn't get any chances. Maybe in the second year in the system, 
he's going to be better. The offensive line, I think, is still solid. Michael Onwenu is going to take over that guard spot now that Shaq Mason is gone. Ted David Karras Andrews, gone. Trent Brown, Ted Gar- Ted Cars is gone. You're right. Isaiah Wynn, I think they can replace. Uh, they can get a guard in the draft, so that's not the biggest issue. My biggest issue with the Patriots is that I don't know what system they're running. They're talking about Joe Judge calling offensive plays. Now it's Bill Belichick. I'm not sure what system they're going to have in place. I'm not a big fan of rookie quarterbacks jumping from system to system. But when it pertains to Mac Jones, he's one of the smartest guys out there. He's cerebral. Because of that, he can learn this thing quick, and I'll trust in Mac. You know, I'm a believer, Mac. I'm Mac attack. That's my guy, the Mac sauce. What I worry about, though, is system, I'm not sure what it's going to be. Eight touchdowns, seven picks in his last six games. Struggled. Yeah. He, you can see as the season went on, he, he struggled, which is usually the opposite of what happens with uh, younger quarterbacks. Usually they, they struggle in the beginning, then they figure out later. Mac Jones struggled late. I still believe in Mac Jones, though. I think he can process defenses at a high level. I think he can process information at a high level. I think he could make a lot of throws on the field. I love his pocket presence. I love his moxie. That I agree with. But the Patriots feel like a third-place team in the AFC East. I think the Bills are over them. Over them. The Tyree Kill and Teron Armstead addition for Miami, I would boost them over the Pats. Um, I also don't think the Patriots' defense is a strong point anymore. I think their offense is better than their defense. You don't have an elite pass rusher on the Patriots defense. The best guy is Matt Judon, who he has these high sack numbers. He's highly impactful, but the pressures aren't always there with him. Dante Hightower is now gone, I believe. I don't think they brought him back. I'll let you know. So the lost line, J.C. Jackson. Yeah, you lost J.C. Jackson. It just feels like a bunch of what-ifs. You brought in Jabril Peppers, but, I mean, how good is Jabril Peppers at this point in his whoa, career? Whoa, 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 whoa. Show some respect on the Jersey native, please. I mean, he's good, but he's not changing around a defense, and he struggles in coverage. He does. I think the Patriots' defense right now, which is crazy to say, is the weak point of their team. The offense is a strong point, and the offense isn't anything that you look at, and I don't think any defense is like, we have to prepare for any guy on that offense. Nobody's looking at Devontae Parker or Bourne or Hunt Henry and Jonu Smith saying we have to shift our game plan. The running game is something to be wary about because they did have one of the better rushing teams in the NFL last season. But the Patriots just look look like a team that are getting worse, and you really don't know how because who are they paying all this money to? It's a great question. Do you want to talk about your boy Devontae Parker? No, nah, you can go ahead, man. <laughs> um, you made an interesting point about the Patriots because – they did get better with this trade, right? I agree. And it's not giving up a third. It's more they're trading back. They gave up a third. They got a fifth in return. Was it, I believe it was for the 2022 uh, draft, right? So it's more of a trade back. You require a fifth, but still the caliber of player in the third round compared to the fifth round, it's a pretty decent difference. You know, third round pick, you're probably still looking at a starter with a fifth round pick. You're probably more looking at a special teams guy that you could hope one day could become a starter. So it's not like they gave up nothing. Um, but Devontae Parker, it just doesn't move the needle for me. You know, I had the tweet out there saying, why trade a fifth-round pick for Amari Cooper when you can trade a third-round pick for superstar Devontae Parker? Devontae Parker is, at this point in his career, <laughs> he had the great season with Ryan Fitzpatrick where he showed to be one of the better 50-50 ball receivers. Fitzpatrick was letting it sling, and, you know, Parker put up a great season with him. Once Tua came in, the offense changed around. It was more RPO. It was more based on getting separation, which is something that that's not Parker's strong suit, right? That's not where he's going to excel or succeed in the NFL. Um, Mac Jones, I think it's a better fit in terms of him versus Tua, 
just just because of based on the offense, right? He's a I don't quarterback. think. I, I do like Mac more than Tua, but that's not the reason I was going to say. There's nothing I, Mac does better than Tua. He's a better quarterback. There's it's nothing he does that. better than him. I think that the offense in New England Tua, is not going to be it's not going to be RPO centric and this? it's not going to be based on this, you know, on quick passes. At least I think Mac Jones has a better in his offense, better chance to move the ball down the field. Now we'll see with with McDaniel there how that changes with Miami. But regardless, I think it was a good move for both the Dolphins and Parker. It seemed like they kind of amicably split ways, right? Parker didn't really want to be there. I know there was rumors. For a little bit, at least the last month or so, that Parker wanted to move on. So I'm glad that they were able to do it. Interesting enough, they trade in division, which is something you rarely see across the NFL. Um, and then the Mets and Yankees made a trade the day after, which was pretty That's funny. A fact. Um, but I still look at the Patriots' offense, and they need a number one receiver, right? Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, none of these guys are number ones. Um, in this draft, I it doesn't feel like the Patriots to take a receiver in the first round. Last time they did it was Nikhil Harry. That didn't work out really good. And this kind of feels like the end of the Nikhil Harry, Nikhil Harry era for the Patriots. I think they're going to move on for him at some point or another in this offseason with Parker coming in, kind of being that big body receiver that they expected Harry to be, who also struggled with separation in college. Um, but people in scouts just kind of thought he'd be able to get over it. Unfortunately, hasn't happened this point in their, in his career. Um, but for New England, if they take a receiver round one, then it makes a bit more sense. So now at least you have some depth there and you have multiple guys who could do different things as well. We talk about, you know, building a starting five of receivers, guys could go deep, contested ball guys, route runners. They're kind of building that, but they're missing that elite option. And I think one area where they could in-house improve is that tight end. They have John Lewis Smith, who they just paid $50 million for, who's a vertical threat, someone who's insanely athletic causes mis- mismatches across the field, and they just didn't use him last year. I think he had 200 yards. Hunter Henry was more of the um, red zone threat who had, uh, I believe, 10 touchdowns. He might have uh, led all tight ends in touchdowns last Number season. Number two, Dawson Knox. Number two. Oh, wow, Dawson Knox. Um, better than Gabe Davis. I told you. I, I, told, I, I keep I telling you about him, Dawson. I have him in two of my dynasties. Yeah, you're bro. welcome because yeah. I keep telling you that he's you're, elite. You're a fan. Um, but, yeah, if they're able to, you know, at least bring Janu to what they expected him and what they paid him to be, Paired that with the number one receiver, however they get it, I would have liked them to be more aggressive to get Amari Cooper. I know you're going to be paying him more than Devontae Parker, but you're also getting a lot more from Amari Cooper than Devontae Parker. Isn't Devontae Parker just what they wanted Nikhil Harry to always be? More or less, yeah. That's why I think that's kind of the end of Harry's tenure. I just feel like my big issue is, which I keep saying over and over again, is he lacks the ability to separate. Last it's season, not as bad as you think, though. No, I Do you think so? In terms of contested balls, he was among the league leaders in contested catches. I wonder why that is. Because anytime he has an opportunity to catch the ball, it's because he cannot separate from a defender. So if he's going to get a, the ball thrown to him, it's going to be in situations where the defender's on his hip and he's really going to have to make an acrobatic catch, which, credit to him, he can definitely do. But he lacks the ability to really separate from defenders. I'm 100% with you guys. Any help is good help. And you bring in Devontae Parker for a third-round pick, I don't hate it, but when you look at it from the glasses of they could have spent the fifth-round pick and gotten Amari Cooper, take on a little bit more of a contract, I would probably have done that in my opinion, especially with Mac Jones, who who needs that alpha wide receiver one to come in and, and really help him out, especially early in his development. But I don't hate it. I, I would still, I agree with you. I, I want to see them still acquire an alpha wide receiver one. We're going to talk about a, a, a situation later in the show where I do believe they can still acquire that. However... This offense is one of the worst weapons room outside of running back still in the league. I, I'm, I'm the biggest Kendrick Bourne fan you'll ever see. I'm not looking at him as a, as a strong wide receiver, too. Yeah, they have a lot. They have like 
Parker and Kendrick Bourne are both probably average wide receivers. Solid teams. options. We say that, but this offense is a top 15 offense. Because of Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson. And, and, also and an amazing of a, offensive line that it's not took some hits. It's not amazing. Took some hits now. It's not amazing, though. Their, rush, their rushing offensive line, I don't know if you have that off the top of your head, but their rushing offensive line was really They're projected solid. to be a top 10 offensive line pass protection next year. And, and that's going to be beneficial for Mac Jones, even though he can't escape out the pocket. His pocket presence is really great regardless of that. So it's going to be beneficial for him. But it's not going to be beneficial if his wide receiver one, Devontae Parker, is not getting separation. If his wide receiver two, Kendrick Bourne, is really u- being used more as a gadget guy. We want to see him start to make throws down the field, start to really push this offense, start to show what he can really be capable of as a franchise quarterback, which is what they drafted him to be. I think they still need that alpha one, and I don't think Devontae Parker is that answer. I think they need a wide receiver one still, but I, I don't necessarily agree with this uh, way of thinking that you need to have so many elite options at receiver. You don't need so many. You need one at least. I feel like as long as your offense works and it has a, a system that works, you'll be fine. I think the Patriots still have a top 15 offense. But, but their and ceiling is is low, extremely I mean, low. let's look their at the ceiling teams. Is, the ceiling is low because the defense is going to take a big hit. Can we look at the teams in the AFC and NFC championship games? Here's your alpha, Tyreek Hill. Here's your number two alpha, Travis Kelsey. Now let's go to the Bengals. Jamar Chase. T. Higgins is arguably the best wide receiver two in the NFL. The best wide receiver three. There you go. And now you look at the NFC. You have, excuse me, Cooper Cup, who's arguably the best receiver in the NFL. And on the other side, Debo Samuel. You need these With guys Kittle, to, of course, of course. I'm just out. not trying yeah. to go too in depth. We know those guys. The alpha X factor receiver or tight end is essential. If you want, if you really want to make a push, I think Brandon Ayuk could be the best receiver on this team, and he's their number three on San Francisco. As of recently, as of recently, yeah, you're right. Teams that have had those receiving weapons have gone farther in the playoffs. But you look at historically, it's not always been that it's way. It's a different NFL. I mean, look at Tom Brady, right? Tom Brady was doing it for years on on end of doing it with mediocre wide receiver talent. Got to a point where he couldn't do it anymore yeah. because it used to be like that's why the Bengals were so surprising because we never seen a team with such a battle. Well, he couldn't line do it. He couldn't do it anymore because Gronk regressed tremendously. And the defense, and the defense, he was injured. And the defense wasn't what it once it's was. It's just impossible to play one-on-one defense I mean, against that, wide receivers. That, that season, the Patriots were the number one defense in the NFL. Versus the Titans? They lost in the first round. And they lost to the Titans? And they couldn't move the ball. Yeah, I mean, I was high because on the Titans. Of the, no, rightfully so. You were, you were definitely high on them. I remember you saying Tannehill was going to have a breakout. Your respect to you. But in the sense of, let's just look at the, the Patriots for a sec. Defense was great that season. And their offense really got carried by their defense. And you'd think that come playoff time, Brady would have been able to overcome that. But against a Titans team who was really an underdog throughout the entirety of that playoffs, the weapons weren't strong enough to overcome. But also that year in the first eight weeks, the Patriots' schedule was insanely easy. It was very late. And yeah, that's, for what, sure. that's what inflated their defense. I don't numbers. disagree with that. Versus top teams, they but gave Gilmore, up like 30 Gilmore was points. defensive player of the year that season. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah they had the talent for sure. But it yeah, kind of went hand in they, hand. Towards the end, versus the elite teams Ran that year. Team. Ran out of steam. Not even that. Versus the elite teams that year, they got smoked. I remember they, they got smoked versus the Ravens. I mean, they only, on lost, time. they only lost four games, correct? And that was before their bye. That was one of those that I felt like they were just cruising into their bye. They, you know, they were playing the, the Ravens, who were extremely hot up until that point. It was one of those trap games where Patriots were just bound. No, I, want, I don't want to say bound, but they were in a position where they so could have just was, cruised into it. This was... um. This was their uh, schedule, basically. I'm trying to find it. I don't know why mm-hmm. some of this has postponed. So that's why. Maybe because of COVID. I'm not sure. No, so, okay. Week one, 
Miami. Or no, I'm hold up. I'm on. I'm on twenty twenty. Because I remember that season. The week one was uh, Miami versus the Ravens, where Minka okay. requested out of the Miami. After so I have exactly. one. So week one versus the Steelers beat them thirty three to three. They beat the Dolphins forty three to zero. They beat the Jets thirty to fourteen. They faced the Bills. They beat them sixteen to ten. Before Allen was an elite quarterback, they beat the Washington Commanders thirty three to seven. They beat the Giants thirty five to fourteen. They beat the Jets thirty three to zero. They beat the Browns twenty-seven to thirteen. When they faced the Ravens, they lost thirty-seven to twenty. Then they beat the Eagles seventeen to ten. They had their they, bye week. They barely beat the Cowboys. They beat them by four points. Um, I remember that was like a primetime game or like a four o'clock game. Uh, the Texans beat them twenty-eight to twenty-two. They were a playoff team that year. The Chiefs beat them twenty-three to sixteen. The Patriots beat the Bengals thirty-four to thirteen. The Bills lost seventeen to twenty-four. The Dolphins beat them in in the final week of the season. So like. Two division the, games. But, like, the play, their, t- their schedule was easy. The only playoff yeah, team definitely. they faced was the Bills, the Chiefs, Texans. Um, the Texans. And the Ravens. And the Ravens. And at least in the AFC, and they got smoked by all of them except the Bills. But you, the Chiefs didn't really smoke them as a touchdown. But to, to come right. back to the main point, you don't think they need to go out and get an alpha one? Because Correct. that changes the offense, and that puts them in a chance to win multiple playoff games. Without it, the offense is limited. Thing, I, I think right now their defense is... Really bad. I, I mean, I think their defense is going to be a bottom. Belichick's gonna, I was going to say, as long as you have Belichick, you look, be look at this defense. Dietrich Weiss, not much talent. I, I like Chris. I like Christian Barmore, so I'm not going to slander him. David Gochow, Larence Guy, Matt Judon, Jawan Bentley, Mac Wilson, Malcolm Butler, Adrian Phillips, Devin McCourty, Jalen Mills, Jonathan Jones, Jabro Peppers. Secondary is still okay. Terrence Mitchell, Kyle Duggar. I mean, Malcolm Butler is. I, he's old. I'm, it's Maybe okay. I'm not saying it's. Gr- I'm not team. saying it's great. It's still, a, it's a, it's a good secondary. Defense, I think the biggest problem with the pass right now is that their defense is not good. They need edge. Yeah, they need edge. I think they need a corner, which they lost with JC. They need more linebacker help. They need a lot of things. I think on offense, you look at the offense. It's already the offense is filled out. They just need the number one guy, but they can get by without that. The defense is really what it's like. You can see teams like the Bills put up 40 on them in the playoffs. Those good offensive teams are going to score big on the Pats this yeah, upcoming season. Teams who score more, we saw this last playoff run. If you have a great, I'd rather have the great offense and a bad defense than the other way around. If you have a bad offense, write yourself off. You have no chance. I'd rather have that number one receiver and you could go toe to toe. I mean, the Patriots aren't there yet with the Chiefs and the Bills, but at least give yourself a chance to score 24, 27 points and make we it a also, game. We also saw the Niners. Go toe to toe with the Rams because their defense was able to hold up. They also had Debo, who's one of the more versatile options there is. George and in Kittle, game, regardless, and in that game, Elijah Mitchell. And in that game, there wasn't they weren't able to do much because of Jimmy G's injury. He wasn't able to really throw it. I feel like Debo still had a decent game, did he not? He probably did. I feel like the offense did nothing in the second half. For New England, you're saying? Oh, in that game, no, San yeah. Fran for San Fran. I mean, I I remember didn't Garoppolo have over 250 passing yards? Well, you could check. All right. I just felt like there was several moments in the game on consecutive drives where the Niners were able to get nothing. It was three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. Garoppolo threw for 230, 232, two touchdowns, an interception. Debo was seven carries, 26 yards. Elijah Mitchell, 11 for 20 yards. Not good at all. Debo, four receptions, 72 yards, a touchdown. Yeah. Mitchell had 50 receiving yards. Ayuk had 69 receiving yards. Nice. Talking about an alpha wide receiver, there's a couple that may be available. Well, two specifically, DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown. 
The Titans have said that they're going to work on getting a long-term deal with A.J. Brown, so he might not be moved. And as of recently, they're saying the Seahawks aren't taking offers for D.K. Metcalf, but there are some rumors surrounding him. Uh, his name, along with A.J. Brown, they have been tied in to with the Jets. I mean, what do you think about this D.K. Metcalf situation? Between D.K. and A.J., if you're a team, which guy would you rather have? And potential team fits for them. You know, Drew, I want to start with you. No problem. If I wanted to choose of these two, it's easy for me. I'm going A.J. Brown. I want the more versatile wide receiver. And essentially, I'm not saying that A.J. is the physical freak that D.K. Metcalf is. He still has the explosive play that D.K. has, if not a little bit better, given the fact that he could take uh, he could take a screen and take it to the crib. He's that type of player. I'm not saying that D.K. can't, but I just think that A.J. Brown's a little bit more shifty. He's a little bit more versatile, and I, I love that in the wide receiver option. Now, who I think will become available, I think D.K. Metcalf is more likely to become available where I look at the Seahawks as they're clearly in a rebuild, and the Titans still can win their division and still be a top seed in the in the AFC Conference given the fact that they're on a weak division, and they just finished at the number one seed, so it's more than possible. I believe that I have, I have three teams that D.K. could go to, and they would be the best fit. I'm assuming you guys are going to say the Jets, so I'll leave that to you guys. I think the Jets makes a lot of sense. I'll, I'll keep it really quick. You want to have Zach Wilson in a position young, early into his development excuse me, that he has weapons that he can rely on, and he has confidence throwing to these guys that he can trust, and that's huge early in development because you want to see what this guy has. And if you're putting him in a position where he has DK Metcalf, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Braxton Barrios, I have to throw him in there, CJ Uzama, this is a weapons room that is actually respectable, and now there is no reason why Zach can't succeed. Now, number two, I have the Saints. We spoke about it earlier. They are in desperate need of a wide receiver. They now have two first-round picks. Maybe you want to trade one of those later ones for a DK Metcalf. I wouldn't be too opposed. The only thing that I see as a little bit of a clash is that they're in the same conference. I don't know if they'd be willing to do that. Now, my last team is the Patriots. I said that I was seeking an option for them to get a wide receiver one alpha. It's, it's pretty perfect in this sense where they have the 24th, 24th pick overall. Patriots have been prone to trading their first-round picks for as long as Belichick has been in the NFL, and now this solves that alpha problem that we just had a 25-minute discussion on. You put, similar to Zach Wilson, early into Mac Jones' development, you want him in a situation where he has guys that he can trust and, and, and have confidence in throwing the ball down the field. And we talk about wanting to see... Mac Jones moved the ball downfield. Right now, there's no better option than DK Metcalf. If there's one coach in the entire NFL I can't trust, it's Pete Carroll. He His coach speak, the way he talks about his players, he thinks they're all <laughs> the best, all pro Hall of Fame guys. Everyone's going to stay here with me, best friends, and it never works out that way. I remember a couple years ago, him talking about like Rashad Penny, and he ended up not playing at all. We saw this past season, or this past offseason, Russell Wilson saying, you know, we want him to stay. He ends up getting traded. A lot of coaches do that, but Pete Carroll in specific it really goes over the top when it comes to like coach speaking, talking up his players. So no one's available until they're available, right? I think DK Metcalf is the player that's more likely to be traded just because the Titans don't really have the luxury to trade A.J. Brown. I mean, you trade Brown, now you're stuck with Robert Woods as your wide receiver one, and that offense becomes really limited. I know A.J.'s dealt with injuries over the last few years, and maybe you don't want to pay him top wide receiver money, but when he's on the field, he's one of the 10 best wide receivers in the league. So at such an important position, I'm willing to take the risk and pay him. But I think D.K. Metcalf is the player that becomes available. I have four teams, um, one being the Jets. I'm sure you'll talk about that as well. I won't. So you can. You won't? Okay, cool. Um, 
they've been in on all the talks with Tyreek, Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley. It's obvious that Joe Douglas wants to go get a true number one wide receiver for Zach Wilson, and it makes all the sense. The Jets have the draft capital to do it. They have the cap space to do it, and he's going to fit in this offense. It just becomes a matter of, will the Seahawks want to trade with the with the Jets? Are they willing to go? Who We fleeced them for Jamal Adams getting two first-round picks for. Is John Schneider going to be able to say, you know what, we'll make another deal with the Jets. They're not giving up four. They're not giving up ten. I think 36 and 38 gets it done. Maybe 36 and a future second-round pick gets it done. I don't see a world where the Jets give up any first-round pick for DK Metcalf, especially for what um, Tyreek Hill just went for, which was a late first and a few other picks. So I don't see the – I know there's rumors out there saying the Jets give up pick 10. The Jets have not offered pick 10. Connor Hughes, from the, who is one of the best Jets re- beat reporters, said that's not true. And I don't think Douglas is offering pick 10 for a receiver. So I think Jets makes the most sense just a matter of will Schneider – make a deal with Joe Douglas again. I think the Colts make a lot of sense as well. They have a ton of cap room. Love that. They don't have as much draft capital. Well, I guess I do now. After the Wednesday trade, they have a few second and third round picks, which is probably what it's going to be to get DK Metcalf. It's a great pairing with Michael Pittman. You have two big body physical wide receivers on the outside. Gives Matt Ryan another weapon. I'm sure you'd love that. You get DK Metcalf, this this whole team changes. The whole offense changes. You have a chance to, you're probably the favorite at that point to win the division over the Titans. I would put you at, go, you know, have a home playoff game round one and see what happens from there. Because DK, DK is just that type of player that's going to change everything for you. Sorry, what did you say? I said they can go all the way. Oh, I'm I'm not going there. But they could win a playoff game, maybe even two, with DK Metcalf there because he's just like AJ Brown, when healthy, one of the ten best receivers in the league. And I have two teams in the NFC. I don't think the Seahawks would be opposed to trading DK into the NFC just because they are heading towards a rebuild. They probably see themselves as being a couple years out until they're competing for a wild card spot at the very least again, especially in such a loaded division. They're probably not gonna win that division for at least another three years or so. If you look at Trey Lance and, and Matt Stafford and Kyler. Um, but I think the Eagles, who we just discussed, you know, they have the draft capital. They have a desperate need for wide receiver. If they don't want to take the shot in the dark on the on a draft pick, like we saw them miss on Jalen Rieger, we've seen them miss on J.J. Ortega-Whiteside before, Greg Ward. Like, they have all these guys they've drafted, and it just hasn't worked out. So Greg if they Ward wanna, was not a first-round pick. I know. I'm just saying okay. drafting because uh, Ortega-Whiteside was a second-round pick as yeah. well. Um so if they don't want to take that shot in the dark and just go and get that proven guy for Jalen Hurts, that makes a lot of sense too. And such a winnable division, winnable conference really, like the Eagles with DK Metcalf, it's a bit different just because they're more of a run-heavy team. So I don't know if it completely opens everything up. That's going to take Jalen Hurts, take that next step as a passer, which DK Metcalf would definitely um, you know, help out with. And then the last team I have is the Green Bay Packers. The Packers who traded Devontae Adams, this is a great way to get all of your fans back and everyone who was making fun of you over these last couple months for trading Devontae Adams and having your wide receiver one being Alan Lazard, your wide receiver two being Amari Rodgers. You know, you get DK Metcalf. You probably don't have to, you probably might, you probably give one of those late first round picks since you have two of them. I believe they have 22, which is the Raiders, and maybe around 29 or something. So maybe 29 and an extra pick, round two or three gets it done, something similar from the Tyree Kill trade. Mm-hmm. They need a receiver desperately. If you get DK Metcalf, now you're in that same position you had with Devontae Adams. Obviously, not the best receiver in the league, but DK is going to open that offense. They need a receiver bad. And they were willing to pay Devontae Adams, just Devontae said, I want to go play with Derek Carr. So we know that the Packers are more than willing to pay for him. I know they paid a couple other guys like Tunyon and Rasul Douglas. But they'll make the money work if they get DK. Yeah. So Connor Hughes has said that there's no offers for DK Metcalf right now. Joe Douglas is prepared to strike for a star wide receiver if they become available. But nobody is sure if any of these guys are actually going to become available. I think AJ Brown is least likely when you talk about the Titans' circumstances and where they want to be because they want to compete ultimately. I love the Jets. I love the A.J. Brown, Elijah Moore, bromance pairing. 
I would love that. I think he'd really fit in with Zach Wilson as well. Just Zach Wilson's a great guy, and anybody around him, he's going to make better naturally. It's just his aura. That's how good he is. He's a star. We know that. The Packers were one of my teams. And, you know, I'm surprised by you that you didn't mention the Colts. You mentioned them, and I'm disgusted because you were gonna you took my team that I was gonna mention. When it pertains to DK Metcalf, the team that's out there, and also AJ Brown, the teams that are out there, the biggest name as a, when I'm talking about a trade partner is the Jets. I'm wondering when the Colts are gonna jump in in the mix. I know AJ Brown that will never happen. They won't trade in division. They should be the first ones on the phone with the Seattle Seahawks to talk about DK Metcalf so they can trade with him. If the Colts land DK Metcalf, you have Matt Ryan, DK, Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor, an elite offensive line, an elite defense. Oh, the Colts are contenders. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you have them barely scraping the AFC South and not even winning a playoff game, second, they get they get DK. AFC. They can make that jump all the way to being one of the top teams in the AFC. I believe that DK is a guy who he hasn't missed a game since he got into the NFL. Thirteen hundred yards a second season, ten touchdowns. This past year didn't have a thousand yards, but he had twelve touchdowns. He's right. He's like nine eighty. You talk right about there. Matt Ryan not getting those touchdown numbers with his receivers. Well, DK, it just seems like that's a that's a match made in heaven. You He's think gonna, so with Julio Jones? That'd be a match made in heaven. I think it's gonna, they're going to excel. Six, six. There is a misconception when it comes to Matt Ryan because he played with prime Julio Jones, and Julio Jones is one of the best wide receivers ever. Ain't no misconception. There, no, there, there is a misconception with Matt Ryan that his entire career he had this elite stacked receiving core. It was Julio Jones, and then the next guy was like Taylor Gabriel and Mohamed Sanu. They had Rodney White for a couple of years. It was Rodney, early, it was Rodney early White, Julio like, years. I, I don't need early Julio years. Maybe that's true. I don't know. You no, it is fact check it. It is. It is. It's true. But Trust. Julio Jones, and then who else? You don't got a real second elite option after that for Matt Ryan. Even in his MVP year, it wasn't there. What was they, the elite option for Stafford with Calvin? I'm not talking about Stafford. I'm just asking. Well, Golden Tate's better than any second the Falcons had for sure. Again, Roddy White, Julio Jones, Tony Gonzalez. Well, was Roddy, there. T- Tony Gonzalez at that point in his career is he better than he was. Pettigrew? He was really damn good, good on the really Falcons. Good. Is he better than Pettigrew? I'm gonna allow you to retract that. I'm gonna allow you to retract. That. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta edit that out. Now nah, Tony Gonzalez. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, let's look at Tony Gonzalez stats right here. I'm I'm he was good yeah, on. Atlanta. He was solid. He definitely had a, c- a couple good seasons. No, I know he, he did, but like you're acting wasn't like he prime was prime Tony Gonzalez. No, of course. No, okay, okay. I, I, uh, yeah, misspoke. yeah. I misspoke. That's yeah, okay. That's okay. What What was his best year in Atlanta? 2016, the MVP year. No, I'm uh, Tony Gonzalez's. Um, his last year he did have. Um, his last year he did have like 800 yards. How many touchdowns? Um, touchdowns. I'm not sure how many touchdowns he had. I'll look right now. I got it. I'm ready on the. But I'm looking at the receivings right now. Okay, so you're right. You're right. He okay. was a beast. But for the most part, throughout Matt Ryan's tenure, he didn't have a second elite option on the team that he can throw to. We forget that Devon, Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman was a Those great, backs. again, great weapons, great duos, Shanahan as well. They can't light a candle to Jonathan Taylor. No. Of course not. 
But as a duo, that's that, damn okay, good. That's Devonta what I'm saying. Devonta great. Freeman was he a was top four, great. top five he was running back that season. He just wasn't the best. I would, like, he was great. Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines clear them. Yes. Fair. So I'm saying so. Matt Ryan. Because Jonathan Taylor is Matt arguably Ryan, the best in the league. Matt Ryan now has arguably the best offensive line he's ever had. The best running back tandem, or even Jonathan Taylor ever that he's ever played with. Michael Pittman, obviously not the best wide receiver, oh, but you add DK, it's, it's the best grouping of weapons Matt Ryan's ever played with. I'm telling you. He still has gas left in the tank. I still think they're a second-tier AFC team to get. And if, if they get and I don't know if it's the best and, weapon and, he's and, ever had. And let, me t- and let me tell you this. <laughs> you, let me tell you this. Okay, if, if he doesn't, if you think he lacks the gas, man, he's changed into an electric vehicle. He's gonna. He's charged up. <laughs> if they get That's DK, what he is. you're putting them in the same tier as the Chargers, the Bills. Absolutely, yes. There's okay. no doubt about it. I'm not there quite. But I don't I think know. They, I don't know why the Colts aren't in on this. They should 100 be in on it. I don't care. I don't they haven't, they haven't been aggressive trade. outside of trading Matt Ryan. They had all this cap space, but they have not been aggressive. It's because they, they don't think they have the draft capital to acquire DK. And I, I don't. I don't. I think a couple I, seconds I don't even think gets that's it done. True. I think. I, I don't couple know. Seconds. Yeah. You gotta think, bro. Tyreek was a late first, but he's also 28 years old. This is DK, who's what age? 24, 25. He's younger. But regardless, I don't think. Understandably, I don't think age is playing because Tyreek is still in his prime, a top. Four receiver in the NFL. Outside, you know? we saw DeAndre because he's later in his career go for a second. We don't just dis- we don't agree with that because DeAndre Hopkins even after that was one of the best receivers in the NFL. But age does play a factor into draft capital. That's just the truth. Chris Ballard is an amazing drafter. He he evaluates talent well. In terms of being aggressive, he doesn't make moves. He doesn't make moves in free agency. He doesn't make moves via trade. He's not an aggressive GM. That's yeah. That's their issue. Listen, I'm with you guys. And look, maybe I misspoken to Matt Ryan thing. That's but okay. De- definitely, if you get DK and Michael Pittman, that's with JT and it's a great, line, It's a great that's crew. The, that's the best he's ever had, though. That I don't know. It is yet. the best. He's I don't ever know. Had. I don't it know. It is the best it's he's ever there. had. Because I'm pretty sure that Roddy was with Tony Gonzalez and Julio. He was. Roddy was. He, he was. was with. Them. Like that's that's. It was also elite. like rookie second year. I mean, it was still great, but not prime. That's still Julio. elite. Yeah, but I'm also taking to well. Okay, we're talking offensively. You're right. But if we're taking into account the entire team as a whole, that's the this is the best group Matt Ryan's ever had if they get DK. But even last season, the offensive line was good. Wouldn't say it was elite. The Colts, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. The Colts were a disappointing offensive line, I would Wasn't say. Wasn't elite. Season. They also were hurt earlier in the season where um when Nelson. Nelson missed a good amount of time early in the season. Not or a good Fisher, amount. Yeah. yeah. Also well. my other team I'm gonna mention briefly is the Chiefs. I thought about that too. I, I know that they traded Tyree Kill, and that's why some people may say well, why would they trade for DK and now pay him? It's because DK fits what they want to do now. Because they got so many too high looks, it limited their offense. And I think DK, he's going to be a fantastic run blocker, something that Tyreek Hill doesn't excel at or even does at a good level. It's too small. So you have DK, who can, who's a big body, Juju, who's very willing in the run game and blocking. Marquez Valdez-Scanlon did it in Green Bay. With this offensive line... Now you improve your running game. It's going to open things up for the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs, we'll, we'll talk about them in a little in a little bit because we have a segment about them. I think the Chiefs are changing their identity now. We're not going to see the same explosive Mahomes, these deep shots. We may occasionally see it from time to time, but I think this Chiefs' new team is going to be better. Andy Reid has proven before in the past that he can, he can have great, he can have quarterbacks have great seasons without having an elite wide receiving option on a consistent basis. I mean, he did it with the Chiefs with Alex Smith when their best receiver was Jeremy Macklin. I remember that year with Alex Smith. They didn't even, I don't think they threw a touchdown to a receiver all year. Was that the year that they blew a, like a 20-point lead to the Colts in the playoffs? 
I'm not sure. You can check it. I'm just guessing uh, off the top of my head. They did have Jamal Charles. Okay. Jamal Charles was unbelievably great. As long as the Chiefs have Travis Kelsey, I'm kind of okay yeah, with I that. That I agree with. Yeah, losing Kelsey would have been bigger than losing Tyreek. Right, let's not get into yeah. it too much. We, we know talk we, about him right we now. know that Patrick Mahomes. You getting too excited thinking about Kelsey leaving? No, I'm getting too excited thinking about what I'm about to say about the Chiefs. Uh, we know Patrick Mahomes is overrated. Going to get inside his back. I don't think I know that. I don't think I know that. You haven't seen him play. I have seen him play. My most recent memory of Patrick him? Mahomes this season. Okay, but the four years he's been starting. We're actually zero and eight. Four years. Yeah. And although Drew is excited, I want you to temper your excitement because right now. We're going to talk about knack bags. Okay, okay, okay. This is okay. series two knack bag, and what's so great about this bag is it has so many different compartments. You have the main compartment here, which is like your regular book bag compartment. You have your other compartment here, which is which is an organizational compartment where you put all your accessories, and it also opens up into a suitcase. If you open this pocket right here and you go all around, it opens as a suitcase, That's and now. Nice. You have a suitcase. That's nuts. (laughs) You have a suitcase. You have a regular book bag. It also has a handle on the side. You can put these shoulder, these like shoulder, I don't know how you call these. Shoulder straps. The shoulder straps. You can actually take these off right here with this clip on, put it in here, and then hold it as it if as it's like a lawyer. A suitcase. Yeah. It's really good. And it has a computer side pocket here on the side. So you open it, and this bag is pretty big too. It's a laptop side pocket. And this is a trolley sleeve right here. If you see this, this sleeve right here, you put this on your carry-on bag so you don't have to carry this around the airport so it doesn't have to be on your back. And it also has these cooling pads that make you cool but also protect your laptop if you have it in that laptop compartment. So overall, this is a great backpack. I've been using it for the past couple of days for school, and although I'm not packing my backpack to the max because it's mostly just my laptop, yeah. it has a bunch of features. Like this the card that it comes with, and you have uh, the main compartment, organization compartment, water bottle pocket, which is on this side here, computer side pocket, and a hidden suitcase department. Me? This thing does it all. It is clean. It's confusing yeah, it me It is also. clean. So overall, you have, it's a regular book bag, it's a suitcase, carries your laptop, Carries a water bottle. Everything that you can possibly Should think can fit in a bag can fit in this bag. So if you're somebody who, who hikes or travels a lot and is always on the road, or you just need more space to put stuff in a backpack in, a knack bag is the perfect backpack for you. And also, if you're buying a knack bag, they sell a TSA-approved lock, so you don't have to worry about getting stopped at the airport. If you add it to your cart along with a knack bag and you use promo code Pick Knack, which is P-I-C-K-K-N-A-C-K. It'll work and it'll give you the TSA approved lock for free as a gift when you place your order on the website. So overall, Knack bag is amazing. Pull out zipper. You have more space in your bag. You can expand your backpack. Like I said, travel for hikers or you just need more space. You're always on the road. This is the perfect backpack for you. If it's a lot of stuff, it has a lot of space. And these past couple of days using it, I've been very fond of it. I believe you. It's a clean look, I mean, too. It looks clean. It, uh, it's, it's practical. It has they sell pockets different colors galore. Too. Kidding yeah. me? They sell the all black is too. crispy as well. Yeah. They sell like gray, blue. So there's different colors. So you can fit anything to your style. The team needs one. Shout out. That's what yeah. we need. Facts. The team does need the one. The team needs one. Yeah. 
Drew was jealous when I got. I the was backpack. jealous. I'm like, yo, we should rock paper scissors for it. <laughs> <laughs> so on to the next segment of the show. Did the Rams have a great or overrated off season? I don't know uh, how it could be overrated. I absolutely don't know how. Let's get into it. Drew, you you and Joel are the Rams guys on this on this table. And whichever one of you guys want to go first, you guys can have the entire floor. Say, say, say no more. I thought it was fantastic, right? You get the best wide receiver option available on the free agent market in Allen Robinson. Even after losing Corbett and Whitsworth, you still have a solid to borderline great offensive line. The only person I'm looking at on this offensive line is their right guard. Um, I'll get his name right quick. Grant. No, it is, his name is Bobby Evans. He could be better. Other than that, everyone else is a solid offensive lineman. And, and now their front seven, where you do lose Von Miller, now you have Floyd, who can focus on being a pass rusher who just recently had nine and a half sacks this past season. And, and Bobby Wagner, who is the best middle linebacker in the football, in, in the football league, excuse me. He's not better than Fred Warner. No, he's. I'll take Bobby any day of the week. Nope. Over Fred Warner? He's I'm not taking Bobby. We're talking about someone that, if you need a tackle... There is a hundred percent chance that Bobby is going to tackle him. Well, he's tackling because he gives up a lot of catches. And what does that matter to me when he's going to be one of the best Listen, run Bob, stuffing? Bobby's top five. I'll take Fred Warner. He's, he's top, just top five? Yeah. That's rude. Darius Leonard's up there too. I'm taking Bobby. Right now you're I would, I would I'm taking Warner and Bobby Darius Wagner's Bobby just led the wins. league in tackles. I know. Leading league in tackles doesn't really mean much. Blake Martinez did it for multiple years. I, I don't think it's the end all be all, yeah. I mean, regardless that's of that an fact. That's overrated stat when it per- really? pertains to interesting. linebacker. Play. No, no, no. Uh, that's very interesting, especially on converting tackles because he doesn't miss he tackles. He doesn't miss tackles, no. He actually just had his highest miss percentage tackles of his career. Really? And how much was yeah, that, if you could tell me? something stupid low. He missed, what, two tackles this season? 14 missed tackles. That's a lot. I'm shocked, actually. Now, regardless of that fact, I still look at this team and I look at the additions that they made. You lose Robert Woods in a trade to the Titans. You're probably going to lose Odell Beckham, which is going to hurt. But you know what? How you make up with it? You go and you get Allen Robinson. And now you're going to lose Von Miller, but now you have Floyd, who has that ability to transfer over into being an edge and, and getting to the quarterback. You add Bobby Wagner to the mix. Their front seven is still scary. You lose you lose Von Miller, that's obviously going to hurt, but their front seven is still scary. The one concern I do have is their secondary. You lose Williams to free agency. He wasn't amazing for you, but he was a solid option for you. They tested him, and he, he was... He did his job. He wasn't great. He was he was barely good, but he, he did his job. And it helps when you have the best cornerback in football on your team in Jalen Ramsey. I look at this team and you had to extend Matthew Stafford. It was a no brainer. He just come off he just is coming off a Super Bowl after his first year with with the team. It was expected that he was going to get a contract. Some of us thought that he wouldn't do that. It was ex- it was pretty shocking to me personally. However, yeah. to each their own, I understand. So but I'm looking at this team, and there's such a strong chance that they could still repeat as champions. I wouldn't say this offseason was great or overrated. I think the Rams did enough. You know, um, they're obviously Super Bowl champions. They have one of the most stacked rosters in the NFL. And with all of this talent they have, I know it seems like they have unlimited money. They weren't going to be able to bring everyone back. They did lose a ton of star- starters. Von Miller, Robert Woods, Darius Williams, Austin Corbett, Sebastian Joseph Day, and Johnny Hecker, their partner, who's been one of the better partners in the NFL over these last few seasons. They did replace Robert Woods slash Odell with Allen Robinson, who has more in the tank than I think both of those guys, especially with Robert Woods, both of them coming off torn ACLs. Brought in Bobby Wagner, you mentioned. I still think he's one of the better linebackers in the NFL. I'm not saying he's the best. I'm still taking a few guys over him, extending Matt Stafford. All in all, it was an offseason that the Rams did enough. They made enough moves, upgraded some positions, 
that they're going to be able to probably still win the division, even though I think it, it's still going to be competitive with the 49ers there as well as the Cardinals. Even though I'm projecting right now the Rams to win the division, they did enough to be able to compete in a pretty weak NFC. If they were in the AFC, maybe it's a bit of a different conversation where I'm saying you have to go and make a couple more moves to really put yourself over the hump. But the only team the Rams really have to compete with is going to be the Bucks With Tom Brady back, I know we're going to get into it a little bit more, but with the moves or at least the re-signings they made, bringing in Russell Gage, they kind of are similar. The Rams just lost more, I would say, than the Buccaneers did this past offseason. But the Rams did enough to, I think, be favorites, at least in the NFC. And that's all you can ask for. They didn't have all of the money in the world to bring all of these guys back. They had to extend Stafford. Um, you know, they knew they were going to be losing, or they ended up losing Robert Woods once they brought in Allen Robinson. So they made enough moves to at least put themselves afloat. But I think all of the people who look at this offseason and say it was an A-plus are just looking at the big names. I think they're looking at Bobby Wagner and Allen Robinson being like, the Rams hit it out of the park. But when you really go and you lose six, seven starters, which every Super Bowl team is going to lose, it's hard for me to sit here and be like, they had a great offseason. I think they did more than enough to compete, but I'm not looking at this saying that this was the best offseason that any team had. Who did you lose, if you're the Rams, that you're losing sleep over? Von Miller hurts. Floyd is a great replacement for that. I know. He's but not he, a replacement, though. He was there. He was, right? he was there. He's yeah. taking Vaughn Miller's spot. Darius Williams hurts. No, he wasn't, though, because they were all, all three of them. I understand, playing but at now the same Bobby time. is now going to be the middle linebacker that allows Floyd to play on the line. Go ahead, though. Wait, what do you, wait, what do you mean? Bobby is going rusher? to. Exactly. But he was, he was a pass rusher. Wait, Leonard, really, Leonard Floyd was a pass rusher yeah. my entire year. I understand that. But before they got Vaughn. Well, yeah. No, Von Miller was just opposite of Floyd. I understand. I, I'm confused. I'm confused. My wording's confusing me, yeah. but go ahead. Darius Williams, starting corner. Austin Corbett, starting offensive line. That Sebastian, doesn't hurt too bad. Sebastian Joseph Day, starting interior defensive lineman. That hurts, Johnny but Hacker, even still, you still have the best defensive interior defensive lineman there is in the game. Yeah, you do. Johnny Hacker, good punter. Anybody you put on that line next to Aaron Donald's going to have success. Yeah, that's because he's going to get one-on-one blocks or whatever. You you know? on, uh, yes, if you are on a line with Aaron Donald, you are getting one-on-one, correct? Yeah. I mean... It's they made good replacements with Allen Robinson and with Bobby Wagner, without a doubt. I just don't look at this saying that did they get better this offseason? I mean, they're if they're no, they exactly didn't. the same, right? Let's say that's the case. That's what I'm saying. They can go to the Super Bowl. I think still? we're I think best case scenario they about to stay the same. I don't know if they made a huge upgrade because the way Odell was looking, I mean, I think Allen Robinson's probably gonna do about the same. I'm not sure if he's gonna be much better Wouldn't if you have you be a healthy, static with that. Of course I would, but I, I look what Odell did or any wide receiver too, even with Robert Woods. A healthy Robert Woods or what Odell was looking like, I don't think it's Al Robinson's that much better. Like oh, I don't it disagree. might be marginal. And Bobby Wagner's obviously an upgraded linebacker without a doubt. For sure. Um I don't have him as the best linebacker in the league though. Listen, when you're on the Seahawks and you don't have motivation to play at the, the level. This is really the first year that they weren't good. No, for sure. Jordan Brooks was better than him last year. And that doesn't mean anything to me coming into this next season. Because now he's going to be on a team that he's actually going to be motivated and he's going to be playing at a high level again. I don't know. You watch Bobby Wagner play, the same speed isn't there. It's just, this is his first season. Even still, again, you guys aren't going to look at, at most tackles in the league, whatever you want to say. Now he's going to be in a situation where now he's going to be motivated every single Sunday because he's I on a team he's with a different motivated. culture. Last season, there was also a Russ got When Russ got hurt, like week six, seven? But the team was just on a downward trend. I know, but Bobby Wagner seemed like the type of guy to check out. I don't disagree. You know? Maybe the same drive wasn't there, though. Yeah, I mean, going to the Rams isn't going to hurt him, hurt his drive. Actually, like, you know, like he's going to go Listen, to the, the Super Seahawks weren't giving team. him his money. Now he's going to the team in division. Now he's going to play that team twice a year. He's just playing with a chip on his shoulder now. In terms of PFF grading, Bobby Wagner was fifteenth in the league. Um, Micah Parsons was over him. 
Devondre Campbell, Alexander Johnson, Fred Warner, Pete Werner on the Saints, Darius Leonard. Listen, this is all gravy to me. I'm I'm Demario Davis. Matter to me. Is he gonna is Bobby Wagner gonna be better than Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa next year? I'm telling you right now, Bobby Wagner, without a doubt, should be at they're minimum doing, they're the top They're doing different five. things. JOK is gonna be able to is he better? He, I don't, cover. Right now, he's not better than Levante. I'm just David. glad that this is a name that this is who you're sleeping on, Bobby Wagner. That's Bobby great. Wagner's a stud, but it's also like a middle linebacker. I understand who's arguably the most important piece of a defense. He's not uh, better than Levante Davis. He's the leader of the defense in terms of like. Making adjustments and play calling, sure. But edge and lockdown corner is probably more important but, than But you said the best. He's not better than Micah Parsons. He's not. Micah Parsons is not a middle linebacker. Yes, he is. He he does everything. It's yeah. hard to compare and J- Dallas Bobby Wagner doesn't, to But most of his snaps came at linebacker. It was actually half and half. But it, it was pretty he much. He made the All Pro as a linebacker because there was a lot of great. Okay. And he needed to make the All Pro. You can't compare Bobby to Micah. They do, they do different things. Correct. No, Micah does the same thing Bobby does, but he can also be an edge and be one of the best in the league at it. Bobby's going to be an elite run defender. He's not. He's not an elite he's pass a, defender Micah's anymore. Micah's both. He is. Micah's one no, of the best. No, that's what I'm saying. Micah is better than Bobby Wagner. I, right I would now. much rather have Micah Warner than Bobby. is better than him he can right pass now. Rush, Levante David is better than Bobby Wagner right now. I don't know about that. Levante David, you talking about the guy who in 2020 covered? Can we Travis, not talk about Travis Bobby Kelsey? Wagner like he's a scrub? I'm not talking about, but Levante David in 2020 coverage, covered so, every single great tight end in the playoffs and locked them down. I understand what you're saying. So coverage is what's separating this from you. Yes, coverage is one of the most important things right now for a linebacker in the league. But Bobby he has was not better. Himself. He was not better than Devontae Campbell last year. Bobby Wagner has been a consistent All Pro player for however many years. Who has dropped so, off in coverage because of one one season? No, it, it hasn't been just one season. He's dropped off in coverage for All right, a couple now. G- give your point. Let's stop talking about Bobby Wagner, please. Of course the Rams got I don't know worse. how you could slip on him worse. How? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the favorites in the NFC right now, and there's no doubt about it. Heard that before. Yeah, you did. And I, For me, in 20, tw- 2019, when they won. No, 2020 when they won. Last year, I was never, all year, I wasn't sold on the Bucks once. You guys know You're that. a liar. That was your pick no. to come out of the, the, the NFC, and then you switched it to the to the Green Bay Packers. You refused. I'll never forget. Because I couldn't, I couldn't set my mind on the team. But I told you guys all year, the before going into the playoffs, I said I can't trust the chemistry, the continuity with the Bucks. Something seems off. This year, it feels like things are back, rejuvenated. We're going to talk about the Bucks next segment. They're my early favorites to make it out to the NFC. You are downplaying the losses of the Rams so much, and I don't understand why. Let's hear which ones. For one, Von Miller is a huge loss. Darius Williams is a huge loss. Austin Corbett is a huge loss. Andrew Whitworth is a huge loss. They still have a solid offensive line, though. Andrew Whitworth was the best pass-protecting left tackle in the NFL, and now you're counting on Joseph Noteboom, who had one good game in the playoffs, to now take control of an all-pro left tackle. Like, the offensive line is going to drop off. Sebastian Joseph Day, you didn't just lose Von Miller. You lost Sebastian Joseph Day and Von Miller. I have Aaron and, Donald. And you, it doesn't and, matter who I put on that And you lost Okoronkwo, who was a good rotational pass rusher. who had two sacks, solid. two forced fumbles this past season. Robert Woods, Odell Beckham, gone. Maybe Odell comes back, maybe he doesn't, but both of them are gone. Allen Robinson is coming off his worst career that he's worst career season that he's ever had. 410 yards in 12 games. That's the worst of his career. Bobby Wagner, you're right. 170 tackles. That's a career high. But tackles is a misleading stat when evaluating linebackers because most of it happens because they give up catches. He had a 98.2 passer rating when targeted. Quarterbacks feasted on Bobby Wagner all season long. 14 missed tackles. Second highest missed tackle percentage of his entire career. And the Rams were one of the more healthier teams last season. 
The Rams are a team that don't have depth. One of these stars go down, that's a major, major, major loss for the Rams, and you can't always count on your team to be so healthy. The Rams are one to one to two injuries away from, I would even say, missing the playoffs. Oof, missing so the I t- playoffs. I'll tell you this. What's funny about you, you lose Robert Woods, you lose Odell. One thing happened. Odell came in, Robert Woods was out, torn ACL. So I would they say never, one or two main injuries away. They never had that luxury of having all three in that one time. They have Stafford, Cup, Donald, bro, Jalen. They'll make the playoffs. They're copacetic. Yeah. It doesn't matter. So you're saying if, if Cup goes down for Stanford? No, I if said you Cup. Lose, if you lose, I said Stafford, yeah, Cup, on. Donald, and That's what I'm saying. Jaylen? I said a significant one of those guys. Oh, well, you could say that about damn near Any every team. team. Any well, team. the Bucks last year lost Godwin for a significant period of time. They lost also. They didn't. He, a- he a- went out in week 17. Got one out late. AB was hurt throughout the majority also of the season. Weeks, but he went out week 16 against Jets, 17, whatever it was. The Bucks were injured all season long. They were also in a terrible division. Okay, but they were injured all season long. So that helps my point. So they were injured all season long, and they didn't finish the greatest end of the season. They kind of barely scraped into the playoffs. Yeah, and they like lost we knew round what, two. We knew it was comfortable because of the division, but the Rams in, a, in that division, if they have one of their main guys go down, that could – that could be it. Even still, though, you look at that division. The Seahawks are going to be the worst they've ever been in since the Russell Wilson got drafted there. Okay, you had, only who knows with San Fran with Trey Lance? I, I love Trey Lance, but also, yeah, first year starting a quarterback. I mean, they just went to the NFC Championship game. And the Cardinals, who have historically, with Cliff Kingsbury, have fallen off. But also started off hot, and they played the Rams well. They did. Outside of the playoff game, exactly. they played the Rams well. The Niners played the Rams well. So, like, this, these are all possibilities. I'm just saying all these losses are huge. 2022, say huge. 2022 huge. to me, it's just for the Rams, and that's for most teams in the NFL. It depends on health. If their stars stay healthy, I think they will easily get into the playoffs. Yeah. They're not my favorites. Right now, Green Bay has a lot to prove. You look at the NFC East, you don't really fear a team there. The NFC West, Arizona, you can't trust. It's really the 49ers and the Rams. And then you look at the NFC South, it's just Tampa Bay. I will say... The Vikings are a lot closer to the Rams than you think. It's not that far off. And right now, I'm picking the Vikings to win the NFC North. If they can if they can solidify that corner position, I'm telling you, the Vikings, because of how weak the NFC is, they're not far off from being a top three team in the, in the, in the conference. They're not. Big wait and see. Big wait and see, because I've heard expectations on Minnesota's name for a while, not just from you, and I'm not I'm not trying to take a shot at you. I'm just speaking honestly, generally. Okay, you're right, but let's just go over it right now. In terms of a better weapons group, Vikings or Rams, who has it? You got to rely on Adam Thielen, and that's tough because at this point he's getting old. He's over Allen Robinson? He's definitely over Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson's going to be fine. He's going to have a 1,000 yards, seven he's touchdowns. With okay, but he's he's gonna have Adam Thielen seven. is better than him. I don't they're know the, about that. Like, yeah, it's pretty close. They're, it's pretty close. Okay, but I'm just asking. Jettison Cup. I would take probably Jetta's skill wise, longevity wise, but well, still toss offense, up. Dalvin, Jetta's, Theo. Dal- yes, Dalvin, you have the Dalvin obvious separates, yeah. yeah. And okay. you have Stafford, I'm taking over Kirk. Easy. The offensive line for the Rams clears. Agreed. I think um, secondary for the Rams clears. Correct. Linebackers, I think. For the Eric Hendricks. Yeah. It's not Bobby. I though. think I'd probably say Vikings a little it's bit. Not Bobby. By, by a little bit of an edge. That's close. The defensive line depth, I think Vikings have that. With Daniil Hunter. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson, they just signed. Uh, I think this guy Harrison Phillips from Buffalo, who's one of who was one of the better run defenders in football last season. So Darius Smith, who's an All Pro when healthy. Zadarius was a big, big get for them for sure. That definitely helps their death, uh, depth. Excuse me, but 
I don't care how basic I sound when I say this. So long as I have Aaron Donald on my line, it does not matter who I put on the side of me, they're going to get to the quarterback. Because you look at what happened with Cleveland and Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney, where Jadavian Clowney is coming off a career high in sacks. That's because Miles Garrett allows a lot of attention to go to him and not to the other guys on the line. Yep. It's that simple to and me. And Patrick Peterson is coming back to the Rams. What do you say the Rams, or who's your, if the Bucks are your favorite, who's your who's number two? Is it not the Rams? It's the Rams. Okay. I so think what, number, what, are we, I think what are we talking about here? Right now, but there's a chance that you if they, they lose their the, star, breaking yeah, news, bro. team loses best player, they might my not make three, the playoffs. My, my top three in the NFC right now is early NFC right now is Bucks. Rams Vikings, but I, I don't. It's not a shocker if the Vikings can go over the Rams because let's say they do, do draft a Derek Stingley and he plays like his freshman year at LSU, and now they have a lockdown corner. Now you have Pat Pete with Stingley. Cameron Dancer came on strong last year. Harrison Smith is still there. Jordan Hicks, Eric Hendricks, but you Darius have to make Smith, that same argument for anything Neil you say Hunter. about the Rams. Whoever they get, or whoever they're expecting to step up, what if they step up and they're phenomenal? What if Allen well, Robinson gets back to his well, prime? You want to know? There's a difference. The difference is is that the Rams aren't going to have a top 15 pick in the in the draft. You're right. Like the Vikings. That's why I mentioned Derek Stingley because they can get a blue chip prospect with that. Okay. Pick. What if Cam Makers comes back and he's the Cam Makers we saw in he's 2020? Not Cook. What if What if Allen Robinson returns to prime? Daryl Robinson, and, and top 15 and, receiver. And we can't ignore that. He's not De- Adam Thielen. Who Adam Thielen is better than Allen Robinson. It's not that. Cl- it's not that far, bro. And I'm taking Kirk. Allen, Over, Ro- you know Allen Robinson That's had the, one bad year, and that is of all the things you've said it's right the now, the dumbest thing you've said. <laughs> That's my captain. <laughs> He's cool, I guess. Barely. He's I, like John Cena. I would now, actually. Now. I just. I completely now. regret saying that. There's no way I could classify Kirk anywhere near the word cool. Maybe the coolest thing he's ever said was "ooey," and you like you that. Like, yeah. You like that is up there for sure. Kirk Cousins, that's my captain. You got to put he's respect on Allen Robinson's name. Other than last year, he's been consistent as hell with terrible, terrible quarterbacks. Blake Bortles, I mean Nick Foles, Andy Dalton. Adam Thielen had his best year of his career with Case Keenum. Case Keenum had a phenomenal. Allen Robinson never had a year with a guy like uh, Case Keenum. No, Case Keenum is not better than any quarterback Allen Robinson has had. He's not. Case Keenum is not better than Mitch Trubisky. I don't K- care how bad you think Trubisky is. Case Keenum was phenomenal the one year he started in, in Minnesota. He was phenomenal. Robinson's best season, at least in the past like four years, has been twelve hundred yards, six touchdowns in twenty twenty with the Bears. That was literally two years ago. The Bears didn't target him last season. They, he like he had his career low it's in because targets. They didn't want to pay him. It was that simple. It was, they didn't want to pay him. That was why. So him. so Fields, rookie quarterback, was like, "I'm not going to throw it to you because I don't want to pay you." Maybe he got no targets. It was mind boggling. But twelve hundred. What do you say? Twelve hundred yards, fourteen touchdowns in twenty twenty. How many yards? He had nine hundred twenty six. He was a touchdown machine. Yeah, he's been a touchdown machine. That's because, I mean, last year he played 13 games, had 726 yards. 2020, he played 15. Who do you think he has better 10. numbers next year, A-Rob or Thielen? Mm. Oh, well, let's throw a little friendly bet. I'll actually bet. I, I would lean Allen Robinson because oh, I think this guy loves, better. loves, okay. loves to do stuff bro, like so that. But I'm just saying, the playoffs, bro, but they're I'm my just second saying, seed right now. If we're, if we're going off like right now I told recent y'all. history. I told y'all. If we're going off of recent history, then, bro, like I'm taking – Either way, though, if if you think A Rob is better than Thielen, okay, that's whatever. I think Dalvin, yes, Thielen, Dalvin clears. Justin Jefferson is better than Cup, Robinson, and Acres or whoever running back they have. Yeah, when yeah. you throw when you throw Acres in there, yes. I and agree. Irv Smith is coming back. Irv Smith is coming back. Yeah, yeah, Higby. Yeah, maybe. We'll yeah, call. put some respect on Skull Nation. What about Chris Herndon? Chris Herndon, he's done. He's probably done. Mm, and that offensive line is getting better for the Vikings. Don't sleep. Don't sleep. I like the Vikings. I think they could win the division too. The Packers, if they don't make it, they're going to make chance. moves that receiver. This is their best chance. But if they don't, I think at twenty-two, the Packers are going receiver. They have That's to. my captain, Kirk. 
Before we go on to our next segment, a quick word from DraftKings. Two titles are up for grabs on the stacked UFC 273 fight card. Join the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter and get $100 in free bets, win or lose, guaranteed. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the excitement. Everyone can play for a share of millions in prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy MMA Contest, draft your lineup of fighters while staying under the salary cap, and rack up points for strikes, takedowns, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Throw down $5 on UFC 273 and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code TBPN this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. And DraftKings, I did not know this. I tweeted this on Twitter and I was shocked. As I was watching WrestleMania, I didn't know you can bet on DraftKings you can bet the outcome of the winner of the matches who uses a finisher first Facts. and more things. And I was like, for one, at first it caught me by surprise. And I'm like, why are you allowed to bet on WWE stuff? Because it scripted. is scripted. And I'm like, what is the gist here? But they found a way to incorporate betting into WWE, which is huge. It's only going to make it bigger. No, they keep it very, at least now they're going to have to keep it very hush-hush in terms of who's going to win. And I think that is going to be, it's a good idea right now as we sit in hindsight where it allows fans to be, interact. And I know that gambling has become so, so normalized. Sought, exact, sought out for, normalized. And now you bring that to, to wrestling. That's very exciting also. But to speak about WrestleMania really fast, what do you think the best fight of the, of the two-night special was? For me personally, I'll ask you. I don't know if you watched, but uh, uh, Cody Rose and, and Seth Rollins by far and away was the best fight. Cody Rhodes was a surprise uh, return back to WWE. He's been gone for six years, comes back. He fought the perfect person for him in Seth Rollins because Seth Rollins, in my opinion, is the best wrestler. Not best wrestler in terms of like Roman Reigns right now is the most dominant wrestler. He's been the champion for almost two years. I think it's like 570-something days. But in terms of like the best stylistic or, or the most tactical wrestler, it's Seth Rollins. And you have Cody Rhodes who really made that that st- that technical wrestling a thing in, with AEW to come back home and to fight Seth Rollins. I thought that match was absolutely perfect. I love the Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins match. And I think it's an amazing story for Cody Rhodes, too. Facts, man. When he was in WWE at first, he was under the legacy. It was Randy Orton, Ted DiBiase, and Cody Rhodes. And he was never given a real push. He had he changed his name to Stardust. It was kind of mostly a gimmick. He goes to AEW, becomes a superstar, now comes back. And you can kind of predict he's going to be one of the main guys on the roster now. And he's worked his way up there. I was personally entertained the most by the Pat McAfee fight. Fair enough. And the Austin Theory match. Because Pat McAfee, to me, is a living legend. He's one of the greatest podcast hosts and radio guys I've ever seen. His energy is enthusiastic. It's infectious. He can wrestle. He commentates wrestling with Michael Cole on SmackDown, which is amazing. And I'm not even mentioning his long resume as an all-pro punter, one of the best in the NFL. Like, this is a guy who has done multiple things in his life and has succeeded at the highest level. At everything he's done, no doubt. And the fact that he 
was able to to do the maneuvers that he was doing, basically backflip, somersault off the off the top nuts. rope. That was, then, that was crazy. To then basically box jump to the top rope and then suplex the guy off the top. That was excellent. His stunner too, the hit, the way he sold that Yo, was he nuts. Hit, it was amazing. It was the cr- beer flying out, it was perfect. It was great. WrestleMania was really solid. I thought night one was a perfect night. I thought How it was excellent. How long have excellent. they been doing two nights of WrestleMania? Recently, for? recently. I think it was this year and last year. And last year was great too. But night one this year, 10 out of 10. It was fantastic. The women fights were great. Um, Bianca and, and and the man, I'm blanking on her name right now. Oh, my God. You, you guys not helping me out right now is killing me. Dude, I know who I you're know? talking about. I just don't oh, have anyone. Oh, she's killing. I, I'm disrespecting her because she's a champion. Oh, my goodness. You guys are going to tell me, and I'm going to be sick. But regardless of that, uh, Charlotte and Ronda was a great fight, too. Charlotte should have lost, but I love Charlotte Flair. She's, in my opinion, the best women's fighter there is. Dude, I can't think of it right now. It's just on the tip of my tongue. I'm trying to think Dude, of the name. Just I know type in the man, woman wrestler right now. <laughs> That's I'm it. typing in WWE Women's Champion. Oh, my God. No, she's not the champion Becky anymore. Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch. Thank you. I'm oh. so mad at myself. I knew it was Becky Lynch, too. I just forgot about the name at first. No, but that's... Why is her, why is her nickname The Man? The Man, because she... She she basically made that persona of herself, but the, her attitude, she's like the like masculine, ex, not necessarily uh, in the sense of like she's like the woman stone cold and she put that title on her like she's the man. She is like the woman wrestler. She basically put on for the whole division, even okay. though it should be Charlotte. Becky gets that credit. So CM Punk, as of recently on AEW, he did a promo and he was like, the reason he's at AEW is to be AEW world champion. And he wanted to make that clear because I guess that's the reason like CM Punk hasn't gotten like and he's been catering to the young guys too. Yeah. But now like he just made it clear that he's yeah he wants to be AEW good. champion because that's what the fans need or want to see really bad. Excuse it's either going to be him versus Adam Cole or Hangman Page. Adam Cole, man, NXT legend. It's yeah. crazy he went to AEW. A lot of people are going. I mean, it but I with, with the betting in WWE, I get it. You know, not the winner of the matches. But I get it in terms of who does a finisher first because most of the time these wrestlers like they don't they don't script the wrestling match they're kind of just winging it like they do Facts. spots and stuff so you really don't know who's going to hit a finisher first. Do you guys watch those wrestling story videos on TikTok? Yeah, yeah, I do. Those are very entertaining. They are yeah. hell yeah. Yeah, the way they talk about like how like I never knew it was like just completely freestyled. Maybe not completely, but like a lot of it is just like, okay, hit me with this, suplex me, this. I was and gonna that. say like, they release videos of them basically saying, yeah, uh, like damn, suplex or something like that, or like turn your body, something like that. Did you guys see this thing I posted on Instagram the other day? Um, this astrology thing. Somebody tweeted about it. They were like, um, do people actually believe in astrology, or is it something like pro wrestling to where when you ask them, is it real, or when when you when you say it's fake, they're like, oh shit, yeah, no duh. <laughs> People really believe in it. I like WWE. I, I mean, I understand. No, that I'm talking about like astrology. astrology. Oh, I mean, listen, throw that in the trash. <laughs> People trash. believe in that as hell. No, they do. I can't disrespect it. There's more things that have come out about it. Like I, when I was younger in high school, it was like just your sign. Now it's like the moons and yeah, the way like, they align and yeah. you're like rising. Like a what's guy, your sun? A guy knowing a lot of astrology is solely, solely, solely to impress a woman. Yeah, for sure. It says a lot about Melvin and Frank. Yikes. Go ahead, though. Frank loves astrology. It's a great conversation starter. They absolutely love it. <laughs> astrology. It's not hard to get into that, though. 
I just know I'm it's a just ba- hard I think to be wrong. Basic reading. It's just hard to be wrong. It's different because we're both Sagittarius's, right? Yeah. You're 18th on the ninth. We're pretty different but people. But we, we could not be more yeah. opposite. <laughs> maybe it's because our like. suns and moons are different. It, maybe. maybe. Yeah. You're rising, bro. Pause. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's go to the Chiefs. On to Bucks, the, no, not not the Chiefs. The Bucks. Bucks. Rob Gronkowski said that he's uh, unsure if he's going to commit to football in 2022. But the big news that came within the Bucks last week that we didn't touch on for an extended period of time is that Todd Bowles is new coach for the Bucks. Bruce Arians retired. Bowles now takes the reins. He has a 24 and 40 record as a coach. And some may say that it's unfair because he was with the New York Jets in his first season. He went 10 and six. But but what do you think about the Bucks? Does this change your outlook on them in any way? Or do you kind of feel like Todd Bowles, Bruce Arians, I kind of felt like as long as Brady's there, I'm getting the same thing. As long as Brady's there, I'm getting the same thing. That's how that's the assumption I'm under. And it's not like Bruce Arians isn't going to be in the building. I'm sure that he's going to still deliver some kind of message to Tom Brady if he really feels the need to. But he's going to take a, a back seat and he's going to allow Todd Bowles to do his thing. You still have Byron Leftwich as your offensive coordinator. That's always great to have, and at least you have some familiar face in the office. But for Rob Gronkowski, I feel as if we could see something similar to Eric Weddle where Eric Weddle missed basically the entire season, came back for the postseason, gave up 110% to that playoff run, and was great for them. I feel like it could be similar in the sense where Gronk is trying to get his body ready, trying to stay healthy for when it really matters, could miss half the season, maybe a little bit more, and come back when the Bucks really needed that that extra push. And Rob Gronkowski shows that, or showed this past season that even with Godwin, even with Mike Evans, A.B. when he was in the lineup, you had Fournette who had a ton of catches this past season. Gronkowski was still getting his, and he's still a a force to be reckoned with when it comes into the red zone. But in in the grand scheme of things for this team, I feel like Todd Bowles, it's a perfect option for them. Their defense has been fantastic under, uh, under, excuse me, uh, Todd Bowles, and for the majority, the, the the defense is essentially the same. Their secondary, I still have my worries about, but I feel like there's no reason why they should not be a top three seed at the minimum in the NFC. Brady's still going to come back. Brady still has a lot in the tank, clearly after leading the league in yards and touchdowns this past season. And Godwin's not going to be ready week one, I don't think so, at least given the fact oh, that he was hurt so late in the, into the season with the torn ACL. I'm assuming that he's going to miss probably until week five, I'm guessing. But I feel as if you have Russell Gage, you have Mike Evans, that's enough to keep you afloat. Leonard Fournette was a beast last season. Now that you give him the full workload, He's going to show you why he's still worth the money that you gave him. I don't even think that was it was that ridiculous a contract. Do you know off the top of your head? It wasn't a lot. So I'm looking at the Buccaneers, and at the worst, I see them as a, as a top three team in the NFC. For me personally, I have them as my number two team. Three years, in the twenty one mil. I mean, that's a good that's amount a for a running back. Con- agreed, but that's a firm contract, especially for what he did in the Super Bowl and what he did for them last season when he was on the field. He was excellent, uh, one of the better uh, running backs, dual running backs in the league last season. I feel like Todd Bowles is a perfect option, has had a great reputation up until this point in his NFL career, and they should be in good hands regardless. I actually like this move a lot for them. I think Brady coming into Tampa Bay, him and Arians, 
they're not the same personality, right? Brady is uh, no nonsense. He doesn't have a beer. He eats like vegan ice cream, right? A very strict person. While Bruce Arians, after I think it might have been in his interview or whatever, he had some quote basically saying that I'm in the front office now. I could get out at five o'clock and go have a cocktail, right? Just very <laughs> anti-Brady. Not something that Brady really works with. While Todd Bowles, on the other hand, is much more reserved, quiet. I mean, if you remember the first year in Tampa Bay, there was multiple times where Bruce Arians called out Tom Brady in front of the media, and I'm sure that's not really something Brady was fond of. He's someone that's going to keep things to himself. He's going to keep it in-house, whatever issues that they might have. So the Arians and Brady fit was always kind of weird, but they're both professionals, and they're both really elite at what they do. So they, they were able to work it out, especially that first year once Brady, after the bye week, had more say in the offense and things really opened up. You see the difference that had compared to the first half of the season where they struggled a bit. So I think Todd Bowles coming in and becoming the head coach and really leading this team is going to be even better for them just because I think he'll at least relate a bit more to Brady in terms of like he's more of a no-nonsense, put your head down, let's focus on football. Not that Arians wasn't committed by any means, but just in terms of personality, it makes a lot of sense in terms of their relationship. And then for Gronk, I think he's going to pull kind of like a Brett Favre where he's going to sit out OTAs through the draft, and then around training camp August, he's going to come back and, and he'll be there week one. Him and Brady, they just go together like white on rice. You know, they've mm-hmm. been together forever. Wherever Brady goes, Gronk goes, even though he retired for a season or two, whatever it was, um, you know, in that last couple of years in New England. But I think he's going to come back. He's a pretty big part of this offense. He had 800 yards last year, one of the biggest red zone threats, literally and like physically, you know, um, pairing him with Mike Evans. It's really hard to stop both of those guys in the red zone with Godwin there. Now he picked up Russell Gage, who's one of the better wide receiver threes in the NFL too. So Gronk is probably not going to resign within the next you know few weeks or so. And he was actually at a charity event and he was only throwing footballs. He wasn't catching any because he said, I know if I start catching footballs, my mind's going to start racing. I'm going to want to get on the field. <laughs> so he was just at the charity event throwing footballs, not being able to catch them. That's interesting. But even it's a very weird dynamic. It's not often we see coaches you know, retire in, in April, March, right? Usually that happens at the end of the regular season. I am curious what you guys think, though. Do you think that this was something um, like Brady asked, maybe not asked for, but kind of, you know, gave a little nudge, like what if we get, what if Bruce does this and we could have Bulls go in here? Not that they didn't get along, but do you guys think at all that Brady had anything to do with this? I don't. I don't think Brady's LeBron. Um, I think Tom Brady's a respectful guy. He doesn't control front office decisions. Okay, let's take it easy there. I think he's a respectable guy after you're saying he's not LeBron. Show some respect, damn it. I was, talk- I was talking about LeBron. I'm sure, I'm sure, Brady, you know? I'm sure. You know, Tom Brady, I think, just hearing him speak, he's not that type of person that's going to demand things. Um, I think there are – Tom Brady is somebody who works within the team and is going to try to find a way to make things work. I know that Bruce Arians and Tom Brady's personality, like it may seem like polar opposites, but Bruce Arians calling out Brady, I mean, that's how he – is with players and he's honest and I think Brady respects that. I don't think it's something that he looks at like how is this guy calling me out. I think Brady's like is he's right. You know, that was a guy that wasn't on me. I mean that was a bad play. I should have read it better. Uh Tom Brady with Russell Gage when it pertains to Russell Gage, he called Russell Gage and recruited him to Tampa. That's the greatest quarterback of all time recruiting no offense to Russell Gage. What somebody that ninety five percent of football fans don't know. And he recruited him, and Russell Gage is like, how did Tom Brady get my number? He's flattered that this guy is such a humble dude. Everybody that's around Tom Brady knows how humble he is, and that's why I don't think he did that. This is I, I, weird. I believe Bruce Arians wanted to leave the team for Todd Bowles. I think Bruce Arians understands what happens in the NFL. Minority head coaches, 
go into shit situations and now they get fired like Todd Bowles with the Jets and they sometimes never get another opportunity to coach again because that track record with that bad team is still on them. Bruce Arians, I think, did this because he thinks highly of Todd Bowles. He was his assistant, uh, defense court. He was his defense coordinator in Arizona. He came with him to Tampa. Byron Leftwich called the plays the entire time in Tampa. And he wanted to leave this team for Todd Bowles to say, I'm going to take care of you. Like, you're going to be the head coach for this team. You are going to get the credit. And I want you to be in a good position to succeed uh, with Tom Brady and maybe even post Tom Brady because this roster is good. In 2020, when the Bucs won a Super Bowl, Bruce Arians was phenomenal. But I think most people credited that run to Todd Bowles, his defense. You neutralized Green Bay. You neutralized New Orleans. And then you went into the Super Bowl and you neutralized Kansas City. And that was in large part to Todd Bowles blitzing and his schemes. And because of that, I think he's earned this opportunity. And I thought he should have been a head coach um, this past offseason. But no team picked him up. But I thought he should have been a head coach. That's why I think Bruce Arians did this. I don't think there's like any bad blood between Brady. You don't think the timing's kind of weird though? Like why didn't he do that just when the season was over? I do think I, I think the reason for that is because they weren't sure if Tom Brady was going to be back. You know, because Arians Tom, is a Super Bowl champion. If Tom Brady ended the day, if Tom Brady doesn't come back, you know, how does it look like Bruce Arians here? Here, Bulls, get the team now. You know, Brady's not back. Like you know, you put him in a situation where you don't have a quarterback. You know, Brady's back. Even if, let's say, they don't win a Super Bowl, if the Bucks have success this season, Bowles at least has this season to be like, no, I was good this season. You know, he doesn't have multiple seasons of no quarterback and, you know, uh, not living up to expectations. So that's what I think it was more of. And Todd Bowles has already said that the Bucks are going to run the ball more. They're going to be more run-heavy next season. And I, I, I think that's the best-case scenario. I think the Bucks are at their best when they're running the football, Bruce Arians is a, is a pass happy coach and you don't need Tom Brady throwing for 5,000 yards at 45 years old. You can, I think Brady's fine throwing for 4,000, 33 touchdowns, six picks and let Leonard Fournette get a thousand yards. And we know the bucks have the ability to keep up with any team in terms of passing in the NFL, but they don't have to do that week to week to, try to lead the league in those types of stats. I think now that the run heavy is better. And although Todd Bowles isn't a, he had some clock management issues in New York. He brings a different aspect to this team. I think the special teams gets better. The special teams in New York was always good. Players always played hard for Todd Bowles. And last season, the special teams for the Bucks wasn't that good. So now Todd Bowles having full control, managing the roster, micromanaging the roster as well. The special teams I'm, I'm expecting to, it's going to take a big jump and I think the offense is going to be more run-heavy, but still be a great offense nonetheless. No, I don't disagree by any means. I think this offense, so long as you have Tom Brady at the helm, is going to be successful, but it also helps when you have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin coming back whenever he does, Russell Gage getting added into this offense with Tom Brady as his quarterback. You're going to see his numbers be pretty solid. I, I mean, if his numbers stuck around the same as last season, I'm sure Russell Gage is looking at that like success where he was the wide receiver one putting up oh, excuse me, he was the wide receiver one putting up those numbers in Atlanta. If he puts up the same numbers that he does this upcoming season with the Buccaneers, you'll take that every single day. Tight end right now, 
Did they bring back O.J. Howard? I can't think no, of the top of my head. Ah, okay. So they have Cameron Braid as their, yep. their tight end right now, and that's a great option for them. He's been more than reliable in the red zone also. Brady and him have had some success. I'm looking at Leonard Fournette, and I don't disagree with what you're saying. You should make him the focal point. You gave him $21 million over three years. Utilize that contract. Let him be the guy that, that takes some, some weight off Brady's shoulders for when it comes to play, playoff time. He's healthy and he's ready to go. And don't be surprised if they go out and get another running back or draft one because Keyshawn Vaughn had a couple moments actually in the playoffs where he looked pretty decent, but for the most part, his career so far has been a bust. I want to say he was a third-round pick. Um, and they re-signed Gio Bernard, but he's more of a pass-catching back. Yep. So if they do want to run the ball more, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they go and get really like a solidified running back two to back up Fournette and get and take, you know, eight carries a game. Lenny has the ability, eight carries, which is fine. Yeah, but I feel like Lenny has the ability to be the workhorse. Like he, he could He could put up over 200 touches easy. He does, but I don't think you want your backup to be Keyshawn Vaughn. No, I don't disagree. I don't no. disagree with that. Especially if you want to like really focus this year on, on the rushing attack, mm-hmm. then Fair I think enough. you know upgrading there, whether that's a draft or a veteran. you know. If you're ingrained in the football world, you know who Warren Sharp is. He's one of the leader, leaders in analytics, and when it comes to this space, uh, he's highly respected. I respect his work a lot. And he released the toughest strength of schedules going into 2022. The Chiefs rank number 32, which means they have the toughest schedule in the NFL. The top five toughest schedules this upcoming season, Raiders, Niners, Rams, Chiefs, and Jets. The easiest will be the Commanders, Bears, Eagles, Colts, and Seahawks. So, with the Chiefs having the toughest schedule in the NFL, do you think they are going to fall off? First of all, I'm disgusted the Jets have the fifth hardest schedule. How, How did that happen? Yeah, they top five. I'm not sure like where they rank, but it's like, top we're, five. We're Bills twice, scheduled. Dolphins twice. I know that I know AFC. That's why I was listening. But it's even San Fran's up there too. Who's you guys play division. our division? That'll do it. But yeah. everyone in our division plays your division. Then I know what you yeah. mean. Um, all right. So the Kansas City Chiefs. I think everyone's overreacting here. I think we see Tyree Kill get traded. Patrick Mahomes struggle at times, barely beat the Bills. They go and lose to the Bengals, who everyone, you know, everyone had the Chiefs beating the Bengals, all three of us here included. No one thought that the Bengals really had a chance. Even when we had Mike Sands on, he said, there's no way, basically. You know, more or less, like, there's a chance, but there's not really a chance. But I think everyone's kind of overreacting here to the Chiefs. To me, I still have the Chargers just over them. I think the Chargers taking another year of projecting them to be even better than last season, re-signing Mike Williams, bringing in J.C. Jackson, Cleo Mack, possibly getting another, or they will get a blue-chip player in this draft picking around 15, which I think I think Jamison Williams is the perfect fit for them. I've said that multiple times. I think that would be perfect for them. But I think everyone's kind of overreacted to the Chiefs. I think they're going to be a second-place team. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to win multiple playoff games and be in competition for the Super Bowl. At the end of the day, you're going to have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And you touched on it a little bit before. Everyone was freaking out this past season because they thought the Chiefs got figured out. This too high look, he can't throw the ball deep, Tyree Kill isn't utilized the same. If you can't throw the ball 60 yards down the field, and everyone was freaking out over it. Now they lose Tyree Kill, and the offense is going to change. But I don't hear anyone saying how this new offense is going to be beneficial to the Chiefs. Everyone's just saying how losing Tyree Kill is going to hurt, which it is without a doubt. But you have to think about the assets the Chiefs have now. They have four picks in the first two rounds, six picks in the top 100, a pair of fourths, and four seventh-round picks. They're going to be moving up and down this board the entire draft. I think they're going to get at least two wide receivers, and it won't surprise me. We're going to get into the free agents a little bit later if they go out and pick up another wide receiver free agent. You can't think, under any circumstance, that the Chiefs are going to go into next season with Juju as a wide receiver one, 
um, and Miko Hardman as their wide receiver too. They're going to be making moves because you can't, listen, we love Josh Gordon. He can't be your wide receiver three playing 70% of snaps. Just at this point in his career, he's not that guy. He's not going to be able to do it. Says you. I think where they're picking at the end of the first round, they're going to have either a guy fall to them. There's been a lot of Traylon Burks talk saying that he's going to fall. If not, if you want to get an X wide receiver like George Pickens, or if you want to trade up and, and replace that speed, even though they did pick up MVS, which we didn't talk about, um, replace that speed and maybe get a Chris Olave who ran in the four threes at the 40 um, or at the combine. They're going to be making moves at wide receiver, and that's what everyone's freaking out about. Will Mahomes have enough weapons? I think they will. It's a crazy tough division. Wide receiver is a huge need and edge. Those are really the two which, hey, Probably two of the most three important positions at football. I trust the Chiefs, their organization, their front office, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. I'm not going crazy over this. I think they're going to be second place in this division and have a better chance of coming in first than fourth. Chiefs are an interesting team going into this season. Projecting them now is pretty difficult, especially given that the draft's coming up and you understand that they have a desperate need for wide receiver. Edge definitely. Also, I'm looking at their secondary, and and Fenton was pretty good for them last season, but I'm not looking at their secondary and thinking that they don't need to address that either, especially after losing Traverius Ward, and Tyron Matthew is most likely going to be lost to free agency. I'm looking at this offense. You lose Tyreek Hill. You have... MVS, Juju Smith-Schuster as your one and two. Josh Gordon as a number three. I always show respect to that man. And Travis Kelsey. So long as Travis Kelsey is on the field, he's going to be elite. I can't I can't ignore that. But this is going to be the first season where we're actually going to see whether or not Mahomes is that dominant quarterback that everyone says that he is. We saw it, and I'll explain because that's a what statement. You had, you had, Tom, you had Tom Brady who didn't always have amazing wide receiver options, yet he was always top of the league in statistics, always had his team in the playoffs. You never questioned Tom Brady and his abilities. Peyton Manning, making guys like Brandon Stokely a 1,000-yard receiver, Austin Colley a relevant wide receiver, making Demarius Thomas, who was a top 15 wide receiver, maybe to a top three wide receiver when when Peyton comes to Denver. You have guys that he turned Julius Randle into a, 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 excuse me, yes, Julius Thomas to a top five tight end. You can tell basketball, really, I've really taken a deep dive into that this season, but you see that these guys, Drew Brees, who basically made every single wide receiver he ever had aside of, I'll give Michael Thomas his credit. He was solid. He was a solid option, but you look at Jimmy Graham and and he leaves the saints and he's never the same caliber uh, option that he was when he was on the saints. The greats made these weapons elevate their game. If Mahomes is everything that he says he is, he elevates Juju. He elevates MVS to that, to that level where he can actually win games and not have to worry about them being options. As long as you have Kelsey, you will be fine, no doubt about it. But this is where we actually start to test whether or not Mahomes is everything we say that he is. I believe that they will probably finish third at worst, probably second in the division. I don't see them finishing fourth. That would be a little far-fetched, but I do have concerns with their defense. I think Mahomes and Andy Reid will get it together, but... I'm not immediately jumping the ship of they're going to be great just because they have Patrick Mahomes. Uh, my last image of Patrick Mahomes is blowing a double-digit lead in the biggest game of the season. Four straight of getting to the AFC Championship. That's impressive in and of itself. I can't ignore greatness in that sense. But my last image is him. This whole season really was his worst season. He had he a good start, He, had a he solid started season. off very slow. Yeah. Start, he started off slow. They, they won some games. Defense started to come to fruition, but down the stretch, and by the stretch I mean really the AFC Championship game, this was the worst we've seen Mahomes. 
I'm not automatically going into next season expecting Mahomes to continue to be the top two quarterback in the league. I'm not doing that. Where's he going to fall, top five? Probably. But my point being is, if you are everything that everyone claims that you are, you need to make Juju what he was when he was with, with Big Ben that those first two seasons. Maybe. You need to make MVS that deep threat option that you clearly have the arm for. We need to see it done. That Rodgers really couldn't, though. Well, Mahomes Roger, has the Roger's arm. Had moments, but yeah. no, MVS and him definitely had some had some bomb touchdowns. But this is Mahomes, right? This is the guy that has the the cannon for an arm that should be able to hit this guy 60, 65 yards in, in stride. That's the Patrick Mahomes that everyone loves to talk about. I mean, he Rogers should, could do that no, too. 60, 65. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, 65. 65? <laughs> yeah, Mahomes throws like eighty yards, bro. Okay, so fine, right? This is that's the cannon that he has. Well, Rogers is a top uh, five arm. Of well. course, of course. Yeah. But my point being is, the way that we talk about him. We better see it this upcoming season. That's all I'm saying. It was Patrick Mahomes' worst season, yet he had 37 touchdowns and 13 picks, and half of those picks were tipped passes that his half receivers of those didn't is catch. Strong. Um, his playoff performance is so awful: 11 touchdowns, three picks in total, three touchdowns and two picks versus the Bengals. He was great the that, first half. That, that last, oh, first half yeah, he was electric. That, that second pass, half he was yes. garbage. That pass was was a tip pass. It was no, ass. it wasn't like an inaccurate pass. It was a tip pass. It was pass. a horrible it was just pass. Unlucky. Terrible decision. Also, it was just unlucky. double coverage. What no, are you doing? No bias here. The thing of, I'm not. I'm not wrong about that. Bias the, or not? The examples you used kind of made me sick to my stomach. Um, almost made me puke because all those examples are extremely flawed and they're easily disputable. The Pay Payne Manning, and he always had Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison retires. He still has Reggie Wayne. I mean, he, he always had an elite receiving option. Let's not act like he played with nobody. And I'm for Dallas Clark was also one of the better tight ends at the league at that time, sure. too. So, Payne Manning always had those great weapons. Drew Brees, are we just forgetting about Marquise Colston? Michael Thomas helped out Drew Brees more than Drew Brees helped out Michael Thomas later Bruce in his career. His career Teddy yes. Bridgewater came in, and Michael Thomas is still doing his thing. Mm -hmm. That didn't drop off. I said Michael Te Thomas was Teddy great. Bridgewater was 5-0 with Michael Thomas. Drew Brees... He didn't make Michael Thomas. Marquise Colston was there with Drew Brees. So was Kenny Stills. So was Willie Sneed. Jimmy Graham. Okay, we all see was who a, these guys are. Okay, Kenny Stills was a really good, really good receiver in New Orleans. Why? Not because of Drew Brees. Come on, he bro. He, he, went, le he left New Orleans and wasn't wasn't anything. Really. Lance Moore. Do you remember him? Oh, do I? Lance Moore. Wow, that's a name I was not expecting here today. Lance Moore wasn't bad. He was he was pretty damn good. And what's the reason? But yeah, Kenny Stills. I feel like after he left New Orleans, he was and, never and the let's same. not chat. Like I I said names like. Demarius Kenny Tom, Stills, uh, Kenny like, Stills in New Orleans career high receiving was his second year, not just 31 yards. Then he signed to Miami. He had 726, 847, and uh, 553. Most of that was due to like he didn't he was like didn't start for all that time. But I mean, he was always a average. It's mm -hmm. like he never he was never number one. No, but that was Marquise Colston. Jimmy Graham. The problem with Jimmy Graham is that he went to Seattle and it didn't fit his style. Like he's a vertical threat. They try to make him into a run blocker and in a zone running scheme. So I just didn't don't think it fit. And then I forgot who else you brought up. Tom Brady. You brought Tom Brady. Hey, Gronk. What can you That's say? the only one that I can really like yeah. I'll give it to you, but he always Ma had Gronk. Manning. Come on now. And he Brandon was also Wayne. in a terrible division. Can we pretend like Brandon career. Stokely is anywhere near the word good? Borderline great. He had over a thousand yards with Payne Manning. I think Welker. I mean, Welker played with Payne and Brady, but before Brady in Miami, he wasn't anything. Julian Edelman, he made into yeah. a potential Hall of Famer. I don't. I, Chris Hogan, who's someone Chris who Hogan had success. Had one, maybe one year. But success. That's what I'm saying yes, for sure. I don't even think Brandon Stokely was never played with. He never played with Payne. He bro. did. No. 
in Indy? No, he, he didn't. He did. The receiving core was Reggie Wayne, Pierre Garcon, and Austin Colley. I'm telling you, he played with him. Where? In Indy? In Indianapolis. What year? I there's overlap. Ah, it's a long time ago. Bro, I'm looking at 2010 and 2009. Oh, you have to look up his Stokely, Brandon Stokely's Stokely numbers. was on the Broncos, bro. Let's see. So Indianapolis from 2003 to 2006. In 2004, he had over 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. Okay. So Can we please? Okay. Like, you, so don't wait, hold disrespect wait, when hold it up, comes to the Colts. Wait, so hold up. You, you, did you, ju- you mentioned that time. You said 03 to what? 03 to 2006. Oh, so when Payne had Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne, you acted like fucking as a wide receiver. Easy, was a, easy. Was All right, take it easy. Receiver. This is wide receiver three, and he had over 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns. He, so, yeah, he was wide receiver three because you had Wayne and Marvin Harrison. Yeah, but he had great weapons. You, you, you made okay, it act not, like. He made okay. bad you, receivers really great. Soakley's not a bad receiver. Okay. He's never, ever, ever come near that. Well, he had a great season. It doesn't no, make him a bad receiver. Soakley's a guy. He's been a guy. He's a guy. It doesn't make him a bad receiver. But you, the way you structured your argument, you were like, oh, pay and made guys like guys, Stokely. Yeah. But, you make, but you compared it to a situation in Mahomes where you're like, oh, Mahomes, yeah, he doesn't have Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. Oh, do what you can do with McCole Hardman. Like, Payne still had Marvin Harrison and Reggie okay, Wayne. so let's look at that fine. He made Demarius Thomas a top three wide receiver in the NFL. Demarius Thomas made Tim Tebow a playoff winning quarterback. Let's be real. Like, Eric Decker, he was the better receiver out of the two when Tebow was there. Payne Manning, when Payton he went— made Demarius a Payton, top Payton three Manning, receiver. Payne Manning, when he went to Denver, it was— I love that this is the conversation. It was a fortunate situation because Demarius Thomas and Eric Decker were on the rise. They were ascending at that time. Then you get Wes Bucker. Let's not act like the Broncos carried Payton to that Super Bowl in terms of the one they won, not the one that they lost. We're talking about years later, and and Payton was old But I'm talking about the reason they won is because he got carried. Talking about prime. Okay, what does that have to do with anything? So this this is— Make relevant points. I am making relevant points. I'm waiting. My point is that Payne had elite options. He had Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. For sure. Although, yeah. Oh, Stokely was wide receiver three. Okay, behind Reggie Wayne and Marvin With Harrison. With 1,010 touchdowns? Okay. Come but, on. Okay. What has McCole Hardman okay. done recently still, with Mahomes? But still. He's never still, turned into but anything still, of what missing, they were expecting. Bro, you're missing the point. The point is Payne had elite weapons. He had an elite. Okay. He had two you're elite t- weapons. You're naming that one scenario, but I've named you two others since. He had, bro, Reggie Wayne, Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison were there for... Paints his high career. Then in 2009, when the Jets beat them, when no, when we lost to them in the playoffs, Dallas Clark, 1,000 yards. Reggie Wayne, 1,000 yards. You look at Austin Colley. Okay. He was good. You're Pierre Garçon, me- Austin Colley. Hold up. Joe, let me ask you because you're biased. Is Pierre Garçon, Dallas Clark, Austin Colley, and Pierre and, and uh, Reggie Wayne a bad receiving core? I want to call that bad. It's not a bad one. Did I ever call it bad? No, you didn't. You you acted like Payton made all these guys. You got a little disrespectful with Mahomes because Mahomes is going to be fine. He's going to put up Maybe. the numbers. He's going to make Juju a thousand yards, a hundred receptions, he touchdowns. He should. He, he, should. he will, bro. He should. He's going to be on a great offense. Joe, to- let me ask you this: Was I mishearing Drew or your entire the entire crux of your argument was oh? Look at all these quarterbacks. They made these receivers. Let's see if Mahomes can make his receivers now. That's essentially that that's not, yes. Okay. So, I just told you, though. Pan had elite help. Drew Brees had elite help. So, it's not like they it made those It was just Brady guys. was really the only one who didn't have consistently help. But he had plenty of years with Gronk Pierre and Deion Garçon, Branch Pierre and Garçon, Randy and guy. Hernandez. Austin Collie. Pierre Garçon is not a guy. Pierre Garçon is more than a guy. He was, He's more than a guy. He's not a guy. Because he was going to Washington, in Washington too. Did he ever put up a 1,000 in Washington? Let me he, know. Yeah, he probably, he, he did. probably did. 
Interesting. With Kirk Cousins. Yeah. So there's Kirk all these guys. Guy. Kirk Cousins wasn't a bum, though. Compared to like a Brandon Stokely, yeah, of course. too. Kirk Brandon Stokely, more, correct. More Understandable. For sure. Austin Colley, we don't have yes, to go into that. But I don't. But Pierre also, Garçon put up 1,300 yards in Washington. Impressive yeah. as fuck. Okay. But also one of the biggest things is you have, you bring up Peyton Manning who has these Hall of Fame guys. I mean, Mahomes did that already. He Tyreek Hill right. and Kelsey are going to be Hall of Famers and Mahomes made them, didn't make them, but My, he's, they, he made them okay. just as good let as me, they would have been. Tyreek Hill was really good with Alex Smith. He was. And Kelsey so, has been great. Wait, wait, huh? for, I know, but Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne would have been good with anyone too. I don't know about that. They wouldn't have you been great so? with anybody. What are you talking with about? Anybody, we're they're talking about the best Peyton Manning. Receiver, they're we're also talking about Marvin Harrison. Reggie, 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 Reggie Wayne. We don't know because he came in with Peyton. Like Peyton Manning came in and then wait. He, so you so he you have so because of Peyton. that you can't just look at Reggie Wayne and how he runs routes and how he catches balls that he no he was awesome he could have been yeah. great without no, for sure so this this is what I'm saying Not I had as great. I, I had to just debunk what you just said you the entire really. time yeah, I did pretty accurately but now let me get into why the Chiefs aren't going to fall off. For one, they are changing their identity. They're not. Last season, Mahomes had one of the lowest average depths of targets in the NFL. They weren't throwing it deep, regardless. Tyreek Hill doesn't bring anything in terms of in terms of a run blocker. Half of those picks Mahomes threw was because Tyreek Hill didn't catch the ball. Enough I understand he's explosive. <laughs> I think the Chiefs are changing their identity. They're going to be more run oriented. They're still going to be able to pass the ball. Travis Kelsey, you can lock him in for a thousand yards this season. Juju Smith-Schuster had 1,400 yards in his second year. Can can he have a, a revival and now put up 1,000 yards with Casey if he stays healthy? I believe Juju can. I believe he is a good enough receiver to have an 1,000-yard season. For sure. And at that point, are, are we going to say that Mahomes made Juju, even though he had 1,400 yards in his second season? Well, Juju People changed are once, down on AB, Juju. Correct. once AB left Correct. or whatever. Marquez Valdez-Scantlin, I think, is a good vertical threat. He at least puts some pressure on the defense to, of course, nobody's Tyree kill, but it gives them an option like, okay, we kind of have to look out for Marquez because he can take the top off the defense. And then whether they want to draft the receiver or they want to sign one, I mean, they have a lot of options here. I think with what they have now, they can compete. But what if they get a guy like DK, who I mentioned earlier, now we're looking at a team who DK can do more than Tyreek in terms of blocking in the run game, really excel in that area. And I think he's a bigger body than Tyreek as well. The Chiefs have an, an elite offensive line. The Chiefs have it's really good. A, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. The defense... True. What, what is the shrug? <laughs> the defense, I love their linebacking core. The secondary isn't as bad as everybody thinks. There's going to be somewhat of a drop-off, but I don't think it's going to be major. As long as you have Mahomes and Reed, it will be fine. In 2013, Andy Reed went to the Chiefs. They went 11-5. and They lost in a wild card 44-45 against the Colts. Their leading receiver that season was Jamal Charles with 600 yards. Their second receiver had 500 yards. Andy Reed, Reed has made it work before, and they had a top 10 offense in the NFL. He's made it work before, and, and I believe and I believe the talent the Chiefs have now is better than back then, at least offensively. Because of that, I think the Chiefs are going to be fine. Where do you have them finishing? I won't hold you right now. Way too it's, early. it's two, two, three for me. You know, I think the Raiders are on the come up. I think that's like kind of what I'm stuck on. The Chargers for me are one. So Chiefs are like two, three. Chargers it's, getting overrated. Between the Raiders overrated? and the Chiefs. Chargers are getting overrated. They won nine games. Just got Cleo Mack, J.C. Jackson. And they didn't a, make the playoffs. And they were a game away. Okay. You don't think those are big upgrades? So with Justin Herbert entering another year J.C. Jackson, who the verdict's not out on. He's pretty good. He's he's good. No, for sure. You Cleo leave Mack. the league in interceptions, really good. Cleo Mack's exciting. Yeah, and you're going to have pick 15 to get another 
really good player. You we'll got to stop we'll acting like Jason Jackson's not an elite player. I don't think he's elite. The Patriots put him on islands by himself with no safety help, and he does what he There's does. There's a reason why they threw at him. Why? Because the quarterbacks are dumb? Maybe. That's why? Leading the league in interceptions is usually not a great thing. Oh, so Xavier Howard is average. Trayvon Diggs. How's that? Well, that's just one guy. I'm Xavier, just naming you. A Xavier guy. Howard's led the ex, led the league in interceptions in twenty in twenty twenty. Is he just a guy? Is he average? No, he led the league in, definitely. But he not. gets targeted though, so he must be average then. To a degree, I'm looking at J C Jackson. I just don't don't Listen, believe the, the in Chargers him were much. already a really good team, and they got even better. And Justin Herbert's just going to get even better too, for sure. So that's why I look at the Chargers. Oh, Herbert's I, amazing. Yeah, I, no, I don't no have no ducking him. So what do you you think, Mahomes? Like. What do you think? You you had said five, all of this, probably. okay? Come so on, you don't think it's anything going to be? No, he, I mean, not he, this, much of a I'm change. just saying this is what he should do. Yeah, I'm not saying that I'm not expecting. This is what he should do. Which he will, because this is how everyone speaks about him. Because he's he's shown it already that he's great for sure. He's in that class of elite quarterbacks, but there should be no drop off. It doesn't matter who you have at wide receiver. If you're this great, there should be no drop-off. I mean, but even still, like when Brady had Randy Moss compared when he didn't, there's oh, a drop-off. Of course. When you lose Tyreek Hill, there's going to be something. You still have Kelsey. There you should, do. There should not be an issue there. Juju Smith-Schuster is not a bum. No. MVS is a deep threat that he should what, be open. What was his numbers last year? You just you mentioned it. He got hurt, though. He got hurt. Look so at no, the season two no. seasons ago. Um, Mahomes. 37, 37 touchdowns, 13 picks. Kerhine interceptions by far. Yeah, the thirteen interceptions not a death sentence. No, no, no. You know that's no way. That's fine. Especially, Especially when you're you're a big play guy. And when you're throwing it that much, of course. But you think they're going to turn more to a run heavy team? Because uh, I mean, I, they think, signed, I, I wouldn't say run heavy, but I would say it's going to be more, more short, short concepts. Okay. Because they signed Ronald Jones, who's a better rusher than Clyde. But Clyde's locked into that pass catching role, which I think he'll do really well in. You know, that's where coming out of college, he excelled in pass catching and. He, we thought at least he would develop more as a run block, uh, as a rusher in general. Um, but I think Ronald Jones is a really good pickup for them on first and second and down. Clyde has struggled breaking tackles, which is a shock, really, because that was his a first big, year. He was really yeah, good. This definitely. past year, he he wasn't the same running back. Weird. So on to the next topic, Justin Fields, and uh, we're going to talk about whether or not he's in the worst position of any second year quarterback in the NFL currently. Uh, that's between Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, and Davis Mills is now in this conversation. Do you believe he's in the worst situation of any second-year quarterback? And you have a lot to say about Justin Fields. You believe he's going to be a Hall of Famer. <laughs> so I want to know what you think first, Joe. I mean, I was never oh, high on Fields. So, you know, I just want to know what you think. Okay, well, I never said Hall of Famer. I think he could be a franchise guy without a doubt. <coughs> um, just uploaded a video on Joel's takes earlier today if you want my Tune whole 15-minute spiel. Tune in. Um, but Justin Fields, what the Bears are doing to him is a disservice. An absolute disservice. The way that they're constructing this team is just, it's backwards. But if we just want to start with Matt Eberflew and Ryan Poles, right? I was, I liked the hires. I didn't mind them. I thought for bringing in defensive coordinator, someone who's respected around the league, Top 10 all defenses with the Colts. I thought, you know, this is someone who's going to come in, demand respect in the locker room. The people are going to, or the players are going to respect him, you know, as as a head coach and as a person. I thought Justin Fields would have a good mentor too, and he made a good point that I brought up when he first got hired where Fields said, when I had Matt Nagy as my head coach, he has to deal with the offense, defense, special teams, interviews, you know, front office, GMs, ownership. And now that he has a defensive mind and head coach, he just has to deal with the offensive coordinator. And that's all he has to do, locking with the OC, his assistants, his quarterback coach. And then he can really figure it out from there. But when you look at what the Bears are doing with this roster, they let go of Allen Robinson, who it was both ways, right? Allen Robinson didn't want to be a Bear. For whatever reason, the Bears didn't want Allen Robinson, even though their only viable pass catcher is Darnell Mooney. They let go of James Daniels, who was literally their only good offensive lineman the entire season last year. They're projected to have the 29th best pass-blocking offensive 
offensive line going into next season. So Fields isn't going to have an offensive line. Then you look at his weapons. They have Darnell Mooney, who's a really good receiver. I had him as my breakout player. He led the team in receptions, yards, and touchdowns Number in year one. two. He was he was really good. Um, in that, even that was with Allen Robinson, should have been competing for targets, even though he didn't get targets. But towards the end of the season, Allen Robinson didn't even play. Yeah, and then they brought in Byron Pringle, who's whatever. Equinemius St. Brown, whatever. These are guys that are like wide receiver fours, and they're expected to be their wide receiver twos and threes. If something happens to these receivers, you're looking at this receiving core as one of the worst we've seen in the last three or four years. If Byron Pringles are ready your wide receiver too, what happens if there's an injury? I mean, I couldn't tell you who their wide receiver for is. He's probably going to be a special teams guy or a practice squad on most teams. And then the Bears really don't have much draft capital. They traded up last year to get Justin Fields, which I'm fine with. If you think he's your franchise quarterback, do it. They do have an extra second round pick because of Khalil Mack. But Ryan Poles had this interesting quote. Um, a reporter asked him basically what he thought of the receiving room. And he said, you know, everyone's panicking. And then he goes on to say, but didn't Devontae Adams get taken in the second round? There's going to be talent there. And I understand what he's saying. Sure, there's going to be talent in the second round. But if you're banking on that second round pick to be Devontae Adams, it's probably not going to happen. There's way more busts, way more Stephen Hills, uh, Denzel Mimses, Devin Smith. I'm just thinking of Jets guys they've taken in the second round. Then there are <laughs> Devontae Adams, right? So the fact that you think you're just going to get this plug-and-play guy, and even Devontae Adams, he came into the league. It took him a few years to really break out. His first few years, even after um, you know, he was expected to be the wide receiver too, next to the, um, who would they have at the time? Probably Greg Jennings or probably Jordy, actually. He, it took him a few years to really step into that wide receiver two role and then eventually the wide receiver one role a few years later down the line. But if you look at the rest of the quarterbacks he's competing with in his draft class, the Jets, without a doubt, have surrounded Zach better. We don't have to talk about it. Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars, while I don't love all of their signings, they're at least attempting to build a better offense with Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram, Brent Scherf, uh, tagging Cam Robinson. They made moves to at least make the offense better. That's with having Marvin Jones still and LaVisca Chanel and ETN and James Robinson. So he has plenty of weapons, a decent old line at very worst, plus the number one overall pick. The only two you could kind of debate with are the Patriots and the Texans. The Patriots are going into next season with a projected top 10 offensive line in terms of pass protection. Their wide receivers might not be there. They're probably pretty comparable to the Bears, but they're definitely better than the Bears with Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, and Nelson Aguilar. I'll take Mooney over all of those guys, but then those next three are better than Equinemius St. Brown and Byron Pringle. Their tight ends are better than Cole Komet, their offensive line as well. And then the Texans are probably the only comparable to Justin Fields. They have Brandon Cooks. Cooks and Mooney are probably around the same tier of guys. I think Mooney at least has more upside. Being a younger receiver hasn't really gotten into his prime yet. We know Brandon Cooks. He's a top 25 receiver. He's really good. I think Mooney has another tier he could get into. Um, But the Texans are the only one you compare them with. But they have draft capital. They traded... You know, for three first-round picks and multiple day two picks and day three picks when they got off to Sean Watson. So they have picks three and 13, five picks in the top 80. They're going to have plenty of chances to go and hit on wide receivers, while the Bears, on the other hand, don't have as much draft capital. They don't have the ability to miss on a guy because that's going to be one of their only top picks. So Justin Fields, I think he, this doesn't give him an excuse to have a terrible year. He still can show fans, NFL teams, his team, coaches, front offices, that he's the guy by making the right reads showing his athleticism, showing him be a leader in the clubhouse. So all of that stuff can still happen even with a bad surrounding cast, but the Bears are just doing everything possible to make his life hard. Do you have something different to say? No. And if I were ranking these situations, I think Trey Lance is, the, is in the best situation yeah, I didn't of any second year I mean, that's obvious. We knew that. I think Zach Wilson is second. I think the Jets are doing a great job. Definitely. Mac Jones is third. Ooh. Fourth is Trevor Lawrence. Brandon Linder also retired. That's huge, which nobody is talking about, but that's huge. 
then fifth, it's really between Davis Mills and Justin Fields. I don't know what situation is worse. I think Texans have a bad offensive line. I think they only have one reliable receiver. They're and they're, and they're to, talking about trading Cooks. Yeah, exactly. And running backs are terrible. You and have all, although, in Mal, uh, Marlon Mack. And, all, and although Who knows? Davis Mills is probably in a worse situation, he played better than Justin Fields, significantly better yeah, than he did, him last definitely. year. For sure. you know, I think Justin Fields, is he in arguably the worst situation? Yes. Offensive line is bad. Receivers are bad. Tight ends are okay. Running game is okay. Oh, I is like he Dave also Montgomery. possibly the worst quarterback of all these guys? Yeah, he is too. He also has the highest upside, arguably, of all these guys. Not more than Trey Lance or Zach Wilson, so that's not arguably. Mm, I don't know. He's 6'4". He ran a 4'4". He has He's a big six arm. Four. Six three. Sorry. Okay. Wow, an inch. Yeah, Come on like, now. He's 16 to 220. I'll tell you what. 4'4", bro. Like, the only thing that's like... The game of inches. The, the picks... That's true. Uh, the picks are what's really help out the Texans in this sense, but as it goes right now, this roster of the Texans is, is is atrocious. You have Marlon Mack, who probably is going to be running back one, but even still you have Rex Burkhead, uh, Brandon Cooks, who potentially they could be trading, Nico Collins, Chris Conley, Brevin Jordan. Like you mentioned. I like Brevin Jordan. Brevin Jordan isn't bad, but... Cole but is better. For sure. His upside... Not saying for, much. <laughs> no, it's not. But even still, Brevin Jordan, like, he's okay. Yeah. I wouldn't say yes. he's anything past okay. I like him too, for sure. But he's okay. Him and Colcom have the same tier tight end La- right now. Laramie Tunsil has done more harm for them than good in, in the grand scheme of things in terms of picks they had to give up to acquire him and how well the Dolphins ended up making that trade work out for them. But Davis Mill did a lot more with less. You still had Allen Robinson last season. You still had Darnell Mooney. Uh, Montgomery missed some time last season, but he was still solid for them. Uh, Khalil Herber, I believe he Khalil was, was, he was he, solid he was for him when he stepped when in, Dave for Montgomery's sure. Out, yeah. I'm looking at the Texans, and I still think that that's a worse situation. The picks definitely do well now that they traded Deshaun Watson. They'll have a little bit more capital to put pieces around Davis Mills to potentially see if he can be a starting quarterback in this league. But if we're going based off first-round and first-round talent only, without a doubt, he's in the worst position right now. You hit the nail on the head with having one of the worst pass-blocking offensive lines in the league, only having one true wide receiver, one option on the team, Any only one true wide receiver yeah, option, really, that I would want to target. Cole Komet, he's okay right now. He has good upside, given the fact that he, he was a second-round, I believe a second-round talent out of the draft. Correct. He should be developing faster up until this point. He really hasn't shown that much. However... I'm looking at Justin Fields and the intangibles. I still believe in Justin Fields. I think he still has a decent arm. He he can do a lot with his feet in, in terms of extending plays where this offensive line, being as bad as it is, isn't detrimental to his game. But it wouldn't be as detrimental if they put someone other than Byron Pringle at the wide receiver two position. That'd be nice. I think Davis Mills is in a worse position, but but you can definitely argue that Fields is, is right there with him. The reason I say no to that is because we know the first couple of guys, but let me just briefly go through it. Mac Jones, whatever you want to say about the Patriots, he has Bill Belichick. He ha- he has Bill Belichick. He has a good running game. He has a good offensive line. Receivers aren't as abysmal as Chicago. Trey Lance, Kyle Shanahan, offense is there. Zach Wilson, Mike LaFleur came on strong. Better offensive line. Better working weapons. on the receivers. They got, better they got tight end options for him. You look at now Trevor Lawrence. They made free agent signings. Doug Peterson, Super Bowl winning head coach, who was a big reason why, along with Frank Reich, why Carson Wentz had an MVP level year in 2017. Davis Mills, Pep Hamilton. Like, although he uh the the weapons and the help isn't there, Pep Hamilton is somebody I trust who has groomed quarterbacks, 
who has made them really develop. You know, Justin Herbert, Andrew Luck are just some notable names. What round was David Mills? Third round? Yeah. Third was, round. For him to be first, might have been the first pick. For him to have round. performed as well as he had. Yes, I credit Pep Hamilton, but a lot of credit has to go to Davis Mills for ultimately performing at that level. Yeah. I mean, he was a five star out of high school. That's great. Yeah. Ended up being a third round pick though. I mean, with five quarterbacks, six I think six quarterbacks taken ahead of him. And Justin Fields, he, not only is the help not there, but you have a defensive minded head coach. And I think that's the worst thing about it is that your coach is not somebody who you can really enough. count on yeah. to help Fair you. Enough. Because of the Pep Hamilton thing, I'd probably boost Mills over Fields. But, yeah, Fields is in a worse situation. And it's unfortunate because I thought out of college, Fields had the most to work on in terms of where he was as a quarterback. I don't think he was on Wilson, Mack, Trevor Lawrence's, or – Trey Lance's level out of college. I had Fields. him. As, I had him as my fifth. You got to show him. Some I had him respect. as my fifth ring quarterback. My quarterbacks here was Zach one, Trevor two, Lance three, four, four. Um, no, it was Zach, Trevor, Mac, Lance four, Fields. I five. thought you had Trevor one. I did, but then I switched it like a week later. I was like, no, like Zach's my guy. So Fields was always five for me, and I think he had the most to work on it. But he's he's in the worst situation. So By far. who knows I mean, what's going to happen? Guy, Mills probably, but. At a first round quarterback, they sure. have to hit on the. But draft. still, like Fields, do you agree? Like he can still show that he could be a franchise guy, Definitely. even with Look, the bad the weapons. Game against Pittsburgh, I yeah. mean, he like showed he showed out. flashes in his his first year with a pretty bad supporting cast. Even though at least he had Allen Robinson at the time, but Matt Nagy, like the the whole like game plan, the way they were using him was was weird. He got injured, he wasn't starting, came in and out. It was just a weird rookie season overall. Um, I'm still high on Justin Fields, so I still think he could be the franchise. I don't want flashes. I want lightning. I mean, that's. Zach showed you flashes. He showed me lightning towards the end of the year. <laughs> yeah. Zach. And, and, yeah, and the, like, the Titans game was, there's nothing Fields did that year that can top what Zach did in the He was Titans great game. in the Steelers game. He was great, he was not, great in the Steelers not game. Titans, Zach Wilson level. It's not that far off. Zach's was better, but it's not And that also, far Fields is the better runner, but Zach had the best run out of any freaking quarterback. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, he, that was arguably the best run of the season. Yeah. Probably was the best run of the season. Because it was Zach. Yeah. Zach attack, baby. Sneaky athletic, am I right? Is. Sneaky athletic. You know when I said when I said Zach was when I said that Zach was sneaky athletic out of college, people thought that I just said it because he's white. He's white, and I'm like, no, like he's actually a pretty good athlete. That's what everyone says about every yeah. white player ever. Sneaky yeah. athletic. Yeah, just sneaky he's quick. He's quicker than fast. You know he's quicker than fast. It's all stuff like that. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't fast. have the most speed, but he's agile. He's a. He'll tac- surprise you with the speed. He's a tactician. <laughs> <laughs> Cerebral. This tactician. He's a mastermind of route running. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, also, I wanted, before we go on to our last topic, I wanted to actually pull up this stat. Um, when Patrick Mahomes threw his 11th interception of the season, Next Gen Stats came out with this. Mahomes throws his sixth interception this season that had above a 75% chance of being completed, more than twice as, as many as any other quarterback. Mahomes had thrown just two interceptions on such passes in his first three seasons as a starter combined. So his interceptions were unlucky. It was receivers dropping. There was definitely some unlucky ones. Not going to say there weren't. But I will say this. For the first couple couple of seasons of Mahomes' career, his uh, interception numbers weren't as high as as they should have been. been, yes. Because they were dropped ones. And this year, it was like the opposite. Like return to the mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 13 is about, like, that's probably around league average, I would say. Yeah. So especially the amount of times he's throwing down the field and just in general making 
highlight plays, splash plays that a lot of other quarterbacks, they're not trying those throws, 13 yeah. is more than fine for him. So on to the last topic, we're going to briefly mention some of the best remaining free agents and where they could possibly go. go. So some of the guys I have on this list are Tyron Matthew, Odell Beckham, Stephon Gilmore, Dwayne Brown, Jadavion Clowney, Calais Campbell, Jarvis Landry, Akeem Hicks, and Julio Jones. If you guys have somebody different, you guys can step up to the plate. But if you don't... Did you say uh, J.C. Treader? I did not, actually. J.C. Treader would be huge. So uh, you guys can mention some of your best landing spots for some of these players and let me know what you guys uh, think about mine. Kick things off well. I'll tell you what, Stephon Gilmore to Denver... On a vet minimum, I actually. Oh no, I didn't. Have, sorry, didn't have you guys. Denver. No, not Denver. I have the Bills and Chief I, for Stefan. I have. I have someone else for the. Okay, how are we doing this? Is he just going to say Gilmore? We're going to give our picks. No, I, I mean, mean I, if he's uh, going to say the player, I'll just give my pick. Okay, I, I'm fine with sorry, that. Go ahead. Uh, JC Treader to either Indianapolis or to Miami. I feel like that makes a lot of sense, regardless of how you want to shake it. JC Treader was one of the better centers in the league last season. You put him on either of these two teams that. Could bolster up their offensive line, especially Miami. You want to go all in on trying to protect this guy. I, I think that that would be an ideal situation for him. Julio Jones to the Colts makes a lot of sense. They have yep. cap. Matt Ryan and him obviously have a connection that, that goes years and years. And Julio has something to prove. And, and especially for a Colts team that is going to be playing hungry this season, it's the perfect fit for him. And lastly, I do have Odell Beckham Jr. going to the Packers. It makes a lot of sense. They need wide receiver depth. Odell would be going to a situation where he can continue to win. I don't know if, if he would like to go to Green Bay. It doesn't seem like the type of environment that he would necessarily thrive in. However, he has opened the possibility to going back to Cleveland, which would be the hugest slap in the face to Baker Mayfield and one that I would love to see. So has Jarvis Landry, too. Yeah. That's crazy. That he's go open. back to Cleveland? Yeah, he's open to going. I only Cleveland. had one spot for Odell. He just he feels LA to me, man. He feels like a Rand. He feels like yeah, LA. You yeah. know, that that's the one Chargers, spot I, would I see. That. that would be cool too, but I feel like if he's gonna I mean, stay the in LA, are the he's better Rams. The, Rams. the Chargers are the better LA team. Okay. Um a few other guys, Julio, you mentioned I had the Colts and Bears. Tyron Matthew, I think the Saints make a lot of sense. He was spotted there yesterday having an interview of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um his hometown team. He had an interesting quote though. He said he was talking about like his relationship with um, like Cam Jordan, just the players on that team in general. And he said, I don't think they really need me, but it'd be great to come back back home and help the team. So, so kinda, Malcolm Jenkins retired too. True. So a, a weird kind of quote saying like they don't need me, like I'm sure they'd like you. Um, I think the Broncos make a lot of sense for Tyron Matthew as well, though. Love you that. have the cap space. We don't know what's happening to Kareem Jackson. Matthew can play safety or slot. You lost Callahan, so he has the versatility to be able to play both positions and really cover needs at both of them. Jarvis Landry, I had the Browns possibly going back. He has mentioned that. They need a slot. New England just desperately needs more talent at the wide receiver position. He could go and play a slot there. And lastly, Dallas Cowboys. You know, they lost Cedric Wilson. Michael Gallup's going to be banged up to start the season. So opposite of CD, they brought in James Washington. But other than that, they don't have much there. So I think Jarvis on a one-year deal there makes sense. Stephon Gilmore, Baltimore dealt with injuries a ton to their, their secondary room. He would help out a lot. As well as Kansas City. They lost Shadarius Ward. They need another corner. That makes sense. Uh, J.C. Treader, you mentioned on. I had the Ravens and Raiders here. Um, and then lastly, Jadavion Clowney. He's... He makes the most sense to me going back to Cleveland. Just had a career year opposite of Miles Garrett. Makes a lot of sense. He had success there. Why not go back? But also Kansas City makes sense too. A team that has the cap space. He could play for a contender. He can be able to pay him and he knows he's going to play. So for me, Tyron Matthew, I have a lot of teams that I think can fit him. Um, the Raiders are one of them. I think they can use the safety help. The Bucks are another one. Reuniting with Todd Bowles. They just lost Jordan Whitehead. He would bolster their team. He would bring be a great leader to that locker room as well. The Vikings also. I think the Vikings, Harrison Smith with the Tyron Matthew, 
that duo, one of the best safety duos in the NFL. And then the Saints, just based off that visit, I don't think the Broncos are that great of a fit, personally. Just, I, just, but he could play safety, know. he could play slot for them. Yeah, I just think just in the culture. You know? okay. I think there's just so many other options out there. That are Why go to a team that would help Andrew's squad? Odell Beckham Packers, simple as that. Stephon Gilmore, Bills Chiefs. The Colts, I actually didn't have J.C. Treader. I didn't have J.C. Treader here at all, but they have Ryan Kelly, and he's a good center. He's not Treader, but mm-hmm. I think they need a left tackle, and the best one on the market right now is Dwayne Brown. I think Dwayne Brown to the Colts makes a lot of sense. He's better than Eric Fisher at this point in his career, and he can bring some stability to that offensive line on the left side. Jadavion Clowney have the Ravens as a spot. I think the Ravens need help, like edge help desperately. Also the Patriots. I think the Patriots need to bolster up the Reds unit, and Jadavion Clowney does that. Calais Campbell, either going back to the Ravens or going to Arizona with the Cardinals, I think makes sense. Jarvis Landry, for me, is the Browns or the Saints. I think the Saints make a lot of sense. He's from LSU. He's from Louisiana. Goes to the Saints. What if the Saints now have Jameis Winston, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave, and a Trey McBride to get in the second round? Oh, you can be now we're talking up. about Jameis Super MVP Bowl. season. Super Bowl. Let's go. <laughs> That's what we're talking about with Jameis okay. Winston. Okay. Uh, Akeem Hicks, the Cardinals. I think the, the Cardinals need to address the interior of the offensive line. I think J.J. Watt uh, what played that position for a while last season, mm-hmm. but you can't count on him to stay healthy. And can't even then, he's an edge presence. That's what he's been the most most of his career. Definitely. You lose Chandler Jones. You need help on that defensive line. Um, Marcus Golden was great for them last season. Yeah, but he's more of a guy. like He's like a cleanup guy, you know? Like, Marcus Golden is somebody who has these great – Sack numbers, but he's not a great player. I need to see Isaiah Simmons step up. He's not interior defensive line. I, I know, don't disagree with that at all. First round pick, someone that's been mean. disappointing who we had high hopes for. It's supposed to be a hybrid, too. And, really yeah. never... and for me, Julio Jones. I mean, I think the Colts make a lot of sense Matt because Ryan. of the Matt Ryan, but also the Cardinals. I mean, Arizona has shown that they are more than willing to bring in aging receivers and help them revive their career. They did AJ. it with AJ Green. Julio Jones could be next up. Maybe Jarvis Landry, I'm, one of those guys. Too. I'm excited to see Rondell Moore, though, if he could be the number two there. He's 5'6", you know, bro. He's small, but he's electric. He is electric. And Cliff, and Cliff showed last year that he's going to draw a place to get him the ball. Now Christian Kirk leaves, A.J. Green leaves. He has a chance to be the wide receiver, two there. I think they're bringing someone else, but I'm interested to see. I was high on him coming out of college. He's small, but he was I, really I damn good. I can't be high on the player who... Just at the receiver, You're so heightest. I know it's ironic. Stop but it! It's I come on, bro. A five, I know you six never receiver. see it. You never see it. But maybe he could be the first. It's just Tyrese because he not was a tall. gadget guy. He's like five ten. I'm shocked. Yeah. What? Yeah, that's nuts. Actually, really, I'm almost positive he's five ten. Like Rondell Moore doesn't have the strength to keep up with corners when they jam him at the line. His route running isn't the most exceptional. It's just he's more of a. He's a gadget like, guy. If he, if he converted, His route running isn't exceptional, I agree. If he agree. converted to running back and became Darren Sproles, I'd be an advocate. But he lined up in the backfield a ton. Yeah, I like that. I think that's where he fits the most. That's why Cliff's going to get him the ball in space. He's yeah. not Yeah, he's not going to be an X, obviously. But what are you going to do? Yo, I actually got a DM on Twitter from uh, the guy I reached out to. Nice. Oh, yes. the Spurs guy? Let's go. No, yeah, no not the Spurs no, guy. No, YouTube. On, oh. For the guests on the podcast, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we might keep have a hushy, hushy, yeah, keep yeah. A hushy, hushy. Keep a hushy, if you would have made it this funny episode, just know we got a guest coming up. Possibly that's going to be huge. That man. is lit. We can't wait. So uh, thank you guys for listening to episode one hundred sixty nine of the Pick Aside Podcast. We're getting closer and closer to episode uh, two hundred. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Pick Aside Podcast on Twitter at Pick Aside Pod. 
Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And you can always buy some merch on pickasidepodcast.com. It helps us out. It helps us out a lot. And we also have some pretty good hoodies in different colors: black, sand, pink, green, purple, red. Oh, we got a lot of stuff. We get fly. We got it all. Hundred percent. Thank you guys for listening and/or watching, and we'll see you next time. Hey guys, this is Al Galdi from the Al Galdi Podcast. In case you didn't know, the show that you're listening to right now, as well as my show, is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. Over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised over $10 million to expand its team podcast network and business operations. Now, Blue Wire is raising another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be a part of a growing startup. You can invest for as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand its sales team and improve operations, which in turn will help this show continue to grow. If you would like to be a part of the Blue Wire Investment Round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash bluewire. That's wefunder.com slash bluewire.